Welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me is Chloe Williams. Will you accept this mission? It's, I was, I know it's like a, the line in the Fallout trailer or whatever. Right. It's like, Eve, have you ever chose not to accept it or whatever the fucking line is? And it, it, it was actually kind of a good question. Like, and, and by the way, if, the Fallout trailer, agent... which is in the uh, National Library of Congress. Right, right. right of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, top founda- like a movies, fundamental, yeah. like, insane. Yeah, foundational text. Yeah, studied yeah. in school is the trailer. Yeah. But that question of, like, have you have you ever chose not to? It was like, I wonder what would happen. But, like, an agent gets the <laughs> briefing is like, mm-hmm. no, thanks. I'm good. Can, Going to an outdoor bar. Do this? Of this. It, yeah. can, can someone take my shift? I don't, yeah. like, you know. <laughs> Clocking out. Yeah. I have something <laughs> planned for that day. It's like, I got a dentist appointment. I mean, I got to go. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I have to yeah. accept this. Um, you know, also that, and I'm just very relieved that they stopped saying impossible mission force and just <laughs> kept it to IMF. Um, <laughs> like that is, I haven't seen the third one in forever, but I feel like they say mm-hmm. that a lot in that movie. Yeah. It's like impossible mission force. Yeah. Um, it's almost but... like in 30 rock. Um, they, they didn't say the girly show. They just kept on referring to it as TGS and it's just like, okay, this is so much better. <laughs> Can't continue. But... Isn't there an actual IMF that's like a financial company or something? Right. Oh, that's cool. That's... I wonder how much, how often they, they, uh, they get the they get calls <laughs> like, no, Tom Cruise doesn't work here. Stop Ethan? calling us. You... Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I must give them a lot of publicity. I mean, you didn't know who they were, so I guess not that no, much. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the International Monetary Fund, located in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. William, do you know who they are? Oh, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to talk until I was no, being yeah, asked. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak before you're introduced. It's, uh, always. Yes. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I do not know it. where the, the IMF is, <laughs> but if I if I come across it, I... I um, you know, in DC, no matter where you are, you're pretty much a stone's throw away from some sort of government or bureaucratic institution of some sort. Uh, so no, I've not, I've not. Especially on Capitol Hill. Yes. I don't uh, think people yeah. understand that enough. I, you know, I grew up in Northern Virginia. I talked to William about this earlier, like right, right before that we started recording. It's like you literally you throw something that's like an entire branch of the government. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. every fucking building. Like you just like. Oh, I wonder what that building is. That's just a branch of the government you've never heard of, but yeah. they're all there, and that's it's, where it's located. It's it literally could be the actual IMF. The director could be could be hanging out there. Um, Alec Baldwin. Alec oh, Baldwin. Baldwin. Yeah. No, wait, never mind. I think it's it's technically Angela Angela Bassett now, I believe, mm-hmm. but I, right, I don't right. think she, I I do not believe she's coming back for Dead Reckoning Part One or Part DR two. Part One and Part DR Two. DR Part yeah. One and Two. Um, yeah, you mentioned that trailer earlier. The, the literally the only good use of Imagine Dragons ever. That oh, no. Clay, you know that used to be what they would play that um before lineups or before the national anthem at the Wizards game. They that would makes sense. they would have the opening riff, and my buddy and I, who I have season tickets with, are always so excited because we love that trailer so much. It's like it's a Pat. Lo- Pat oh God, I'm gonna fuck up the name. Pat Lovian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Dog, Pat Lovian, the yep. animal abuser. That guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pat Lovian. It's like it, it, you know, it's one of those things you hear it and you're like instantly transported to be like, oh yeah, that trailer. You know, it's yep. one of those that that's songs work so much for me in that way it's like i connect songs to movies and trailers so much i mean that's mm-hmm. how i find a lot of songs um like so much so that I, and people will cringe when i say this but like 
when I listened to Hurt by Johnny Cash, I think of the Logan Fair, which I first found, which I yeah, used. Yeah, I think we mentioned that, that on her Logan episode. Yeah. And, and right, also I remember right, right. in our social network episode when they used like the slowed down version of, uh, oh yeah, the Radiohead song. Uh, of Creep, man. Creep, yeah, Creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, and this almost like, subverge like the new trend of like slowing down pop or rock songs where it's just like no we're just gonna play this as it is and we're just gonna you know but clay when you're starting out there i thought you were gonna say um that's how i found running up the hill uh is uh from watching stranger things because i know that has been a a hot topic as of late it's great stranger things man i I haven't seen the fourth (laughs) season but everything i hear about it where i'm just like okay yeah, like it, nothing nothing shocked me about it it's one of those things where anyone tells you anything about it, you're like yeah i believe that that's totally what they would do or what it would be about or that you know it, it's all just like on brand right now so it's funny just to be on the periphery while people are like you know talking about it it's like oh, yeah nothing there's no i'm not like oh really okay that's crazy it's like yeah that's yeah. stranger things yeah right you're not you don't feel like you're missing out you don't feel like you're you have fomo for no, I mean, I don't know. It's like, well, I mean, we're going to get, so that's actually a good transition to what we're watching right now. Like what you were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Please so I'm not us. watching, yeah. I'm not watching Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> yeah, cross that off. And like, actually some, some of my friends have been like, it's actually pretty good. And I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. but then you look at those runtimes, you're like Duffer Brothers. I mean, that, that's what Kyle was telling me too. Yeah, it's like. Yeah, Kyle was like, it's, I asked him, is like, is that, that length, is that, is it worth it? He's like, yeah. I don't know. Um, but so we're recording just to give a, a peek behind the curtain. We are recording this a day after we recorded our salt episode. So I haven't been watching a ton in a day uh, since we recorded. But I talked about how I'm going into more spy stuff. Like I'm in a spy mode. I'm watching more American stuff or not American stuff. Jesus Christ. I'm watching The Americans, the show The Americans uh, for the first time. Good friends, Mary and Matt. I mean, Carrie and Matt. Yeah. From the- um, God, they're just so hot. Sorry, I don't. I know that was like in, that was involuntary. My like brain had to like shout that out the moment yeah. you said that. It's it's. I think that comes with the territory. It's just it's one of those universally held truths. Is Americans tremendous television show? One of the best television shows uh, of of the last decade, and starring literally two of the hottest people of all time, uh, mm-hmm. who also are were so attracted to one another's uh, hotness that they left their spouses for one another. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very well, I think, true. I, I don't think Matthew Reese was married at the time, but Carrie Russell definitely left her right, husband. Exactly. And it's immediately like I, I looked it up on Wikipedia because I'm like, they're married, right? And I'm like, oh, they're, that's interesting. Okay. Um, but it's one of those, it's funny though, because in the show, there's like moments Matthew Reese will make like deprecate, self deprecating comments like, oh, I'm not, I know I'm not that attractive. I'm like, fuck off, dude. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I hate you. Don't say that. You're fucking hot. What are you talking about? Like, don't say that. Um, but yeah, but so, so I've been, so I've almost done with the first season. It's insane that people keep telling me that it's like, it only gets better because I'm like, you're going to ruin my life because this, like, I can't, I ha- I don't have a ton of hours in the day. I have a decent amount, just not a ton. And so like, you're going to like, I have no self-control. That's why I, I kind of, I resist watching a ton of TV is because I usually just binge it. And that's not great for like life necessarily because they can pick up a good portion of it um but yeah so it's i'm really excited to get it uh continue it but speak but you know i kind of talked about that uh, last episode 
What I didn't mention is that I also watched two movies on the same day. It was a very weird combination of films uh, that were, you know, kind of kind of catching up on new releases. Um, let me make sure. Yeah, same day. So I watched The Princess, the Joey King movie on Hulu. Uh, good movie. Uh, it's literally, I mean, I could have written the script. Um, I, I, maybe I would have done a little better of a job, but it is really well shot action. It's quite fun. It's super, you know, moves at a breakneck pace. Pace Like there's no, it's an hour and 30 minutes and it truly feels like an hour and 30 minutes. Um, Joey King's really good in it. I know she's like dunked on a lot and has this like- The kissing booth doesn't help. Yeah, the Netflix stuff. And it's like, I don't, I've never watched any of it. I only know her from The Conjuring. Um, right, she's in the first Conjuring. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I only really know her from that. So I have no like baggage with her acting pursuits as of late. Um, but it's really funny because she, like, she's just, you know, very small woman. And she just starts screaming at larger dudes in armor and then, then like proceeds to kill them viciously. And it's very fun. I like that. That's a good thing yeah, that's happening. It's cool. Yeah. It, it, it's actually really well done. I mean, it's the same guy who directed the Vietnamese movie Fury mm -hmm. um, that I don't love. Not David Ayer. Not that Fury. No, it's with an E instead of a Y. Um, uh, this, is, this is basically the movie that's the raid in reverse, right? Like she's a princess in a tower. Yeah. And she starts at the top yeah. of the tower and then fights her way down. Yeah. And it's very much like, what if a princess but badass? And it's like, all right, that's a little, you know, it's one of those things where like, yeah, that's like a tweet someone wrote. But it's also like, yeah, it's still pretty good though. Um, <laughs> Listen, Dominic, a, banger, a banger tweet's a banger tweet. Doesn't, this doesn't is true. matter. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, that's basically Dominic, the thesis of Zola, you know? <laughs> Dominic, was it Dominic Cooper? Who was Preacher? And like, yeah. The, mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. He's plays like the villain, very, you know, maniacal in it he's having fun a lot of good you know good performances like solid i mean it's it the budget shows and again mm -hmm. the script is like not good uh but joey king's like her physicality is really good there's some really fun action set pieces uh yeah and i mean it's better than most action movies that i've seen this year besides like well actually i don't know it's actually been a pretty good year for action what am i saying you got triple r Maverick and Ambulance. But besides that, it's like it's better than anything you're going to see in like real big blockbusters. I'm trying to uh, think what tops Ambulance. Like that's such a high bar. Right. For action. Um, and you'll never guess what the second movie I saw that did was. But just the complete opposite. Mad, Mad God. Oh. It's like not yeah. even close to like, it's just a, it was just a movie I just like, I need to watch this. Um, it's, Everything you've heard about it, uh, yeah, absolutely. It's fucking deranged. It's like a nightmare uh, filled with piss and shit and blood. Um, and it's quite good. I don't have like so many people have written it and talked about it like more articulately than I have, but it's, it's I don't know if there's much to say really anymore because it's inspired a lot of great writing and yeah, criticism overall. Um, but yeah, Phil Tippett's a fucking madman. I mean, I'm interested to check that one out too. And yeah, I also like the print shutter. Yeah. 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 That's on my list as well. I did not know it was on shutter. Um, mm -hmm. but very that, short. It's only like what, like 30, 40 minutes or something like that. Is it longer? No, no, no it's like an hour and 30. Oh, oh, well, I did yeah. not realize it was a full thing. Well, okay. because I didn't know, I think it was like, it started out as like a bunch of shorts and then became like a feature film or something like that. Um, but yeah, so this is, 
No, it's really, I mean, it's crazy. It's very much, it kind of, and this is going to sound corny, but it you know, makes you feel hopeful for like, okay, we, we movies are going to be fun. Like people are still making this shit. Like it's, it's okay. You know, because I feel like there's a lot of doom and gloom uh, with the industry uh, nowadays. And, and some of it's justified. Some of it, I think it's an overreaction. Um, but it's, it's just one of those movies where you're like, okay, like this was made and this was put on a streaming service and this is available for people to see. I think, I think we'll be okay. That, that was like- my It was made for mass appeal. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it was, yeah. It, well, it was, I don't know about mass appeal, but it was like, oh, you have access to it. It's it, it, like, no one stopped this from happening. No one was like, no, this can't be made or this, because it's very much, it's, it pushes all the boundaries you can push. Um, and that might sound like an overreaction, um, but I don't know, man, you see some, it's all the imagery that you can imagine that is as fucked up as you think it could be. Um, past and future guests, Vinny Manacuso watched it last night on an edible. And I almost <laughs> wanted to like reach out to him like, I don't know, man, <laughs> like, that's your, your, that's some Russian roulette. It, it turned out to be pretty good for him. Uh, but I, and then apparently he watched ET right after just to do the opposite, Sick. just to kind of like decompress. Yeah. Which is a good it. idea, but Vinny knows something we don't. I love it. Right. Uh, yeah, Vinny. Uh, getting married soon. Shout out. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Shout out, shout we'll, out. To, we'll just have him back soon. Yeah, his bachelor party is appearing on this fucking podcast. That's, I don't know. <laughs> the 4th of July happened recently as we're taping this. And I wanted to, what, I, I don't know what I was trying to look for, but I saw this this list that Rolling Stones put out. Um, oh, yeah, good list. That It's uh, the 50 best movies about America in the past 50 years. And I'm like, huh, at the, it's pretty interesting. Like uh, Nashville was number one. That's like one of my favorites of all time. And uh, I tried to see like what was the thing that I hadn't seen that was the highest ranked. Um, and it was Michael Ritchie's The Candidate. And it's like, oh, wait, I know that's in full on YouTube. And I've been wanting to see that for a while. Loved it. It was fantastic. Like Robert Redford is one of my favorite actors. And I thought like the character study that, that they do is. <laughs> Robert um, yeah, uh, Robert Redford don't, don't is. Don't him. Yeah. No. Um, kind of an up and comer character actor and uh no it plays just this uh lawyer from like a uh an upper class family and his dad was a politician in california and decides to get into politics but he's like very ill-prepared for the whole pageantry of politicking and it no it's just it's just like a really really cool character study that's like doesn't feel too of its time but can feel timeless where you can apply it to like and it's not riffing on like one politician I found where it's just it can be anybody that you can apply it to it is much more like about how like absurd it all is and um it has a, like a very interesting sense of humor too it's like written by an actual like speechwriter. yeah it has like a, it has a it has a graduate ending too which I really like and it's like oh my, I just won the uh like the mayor of California what do I do now and just like well we gotta show them your face and it's like yeah it's definitely one of like the best movies i've seen this year that's dope william what have you been watching recently it could be like movies television or it could be what you've been reading video games anything you've been sure um yeah i mean i we were, we were you explain about... this a lot better than i do i love it <laughs> i was we were talking before the the show started i um i've really been in kind of just like the uh the marvel worlds uh related to uh you know different uh work assignments that i have so 
really just have, have found um, this weekend as an opportunity to, to catch up. And so I've been working my way through um, kind of a backlog of screeners I have for um, for all mankind. Apple TV Plus's nice. uh, alternate retelling of the the space race where for those unfamiliar, the, the whole premise is that the um, the the space race between the USSR and the USA never ended. And so the big hook for season three is that there is a three horse race to Mars between the US, the USSR, and then this like privatized uh, Tesla-esque company called Helios. And so I uh, was working my way through kind of the last couple of episodes. Um, I think the episode that aired not this past week, but the week before, which I believe was episode four, was like um, one of the most uh, gripping episodes of television I've seen this year. For All Mankind has a tendency to burn through uh, basically anywhere from a half a season to a whole season's worth of plot in a single episode and then continues to go forward, basically. Uh, and, And the the guts that I think it takes to do that and continue to find new ways to innovate and, and storytell and push that narrative forward has always been really, really fascinating. So uh, I also caught up on, on screeners for the next couple of weeks as well. So yeah, really, really enjoying it. I think that's a, a sneakily underrated show, maybe not so much in, in critical circles, but uh, public wise, I, I think has not gotten the um, reception that it deserves because it is, it is very genre. I mean, r- created by Ronald D. Moore of, of Battlestar galactica fam so mm-hmm. kind of treads in some of that same territory but really fantastic um ensemble uh joel kenneman is probably like the lead and then um chantelle van something her last name escapes me but she played billy butcher's wife uh and the boys which i also watched the boys season finale earlier this week was really impressed with that uh another show that i think um this finale was like a little rushed but i think ends in a really satisfying way and then uh i've been watching the show of the year which is a uh, holy moly on on abc um mm. i'm only half joking um <laughs> that is like uh now that we don't have basketball on anymore you know I, i'm still watching some WNBA games but i like to have something kind of just like wind down my day and so holy moly has typically been that show for me where it's kind of just like you know the the premise is basically wipe out meets putt putt and so it's it's really satisfying in a smooth brain way to watch people just like hit obstacles and fall into the water Um, is that the muppets thing it is yeah so the i i will say the the brand synergy on behalf of the abc and the muppets this year is is very forced (laughs) um it's not natural really in any way shape or form uh which is unfortunate but um how much muppet content can i expect from that show like one or two segments maybe um out of like a you know i would say maybe a total of like five minutes to to the point where it's like i really feel like this is is sort of justifying this like larger advertising campaign nevertheless again my smooth brain after a day of trying to make sense of you know all different kinds of work just really i find something satisfying about watching people just like get hit and fall into the water uh (laughs) so yeah but now that i've got um a little bit of a break here i think between next major projects i want to go back through and catch up on a bunch of different stuff i just um i got the uh the two-part souvenir blu-ray that a24 did and i I did not get around to seeing souvenir part two so i want to do i still haven't seen it i I want to do a back-to-back of that of um i like it more than part one that's what I've heard. It's okay, is yeah. that it's it's better than the first. So I want to run those. Run those they're they're like two. They they make one movie. It's, it's on Showtime too. I think. Oh, nice. I mean, it's that's how I feel. 
Yeah. That's how I feel about Rogue One or not Rogue One, Rogue Nation and um and Fallout, which I know we're about to get to. Hey, is, um, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll touch on that. But speaking of, of part ones and part twos, I, th- I think there's some connective tissue there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. We're definitely. I mean, the the idea of like continual improvement on a premise, I think, is very. Maybe that's not necessarily related to the souvenir part two, but in the sense of. Well, I think that Christopher McQuarrie and Joanna Hogg are very, very similar filmmakers. <laughs> when you get down to it, it's about uh, creative young people. You know, so. McQuarrie is one of those dudes who, if like I asked him what's his favorite movie of la- like last year, he's like, "Oh, Souvenir Part 2. I wouldn't be like, <laughs> like yeah. he seems like kind of he keeps up on this stuff. I mean, I guess we might as well just get in. It, it well, well, I ha- I have a take about the idea of how this is connected to other movies we have covered in the decade, such as Magic Mike XXL. And Mad Max Fury Road. You're, you can't, 20, you can't see 2015. Because... I think we should circle that, like Rogue Nation, Magic Mike, Mad Max. I, you know, I threw, I threw my hands up in the air because Clay is just like totally pandering to the crowd here uh, <laughs> with his, his Magic Mike XXL sort of uh, name drop mm-hmm. here. I was oh, yeah. gutted that that had already been covered uh, <laughs> because that would have been... I thought about just asking you guys if we could talk about it again because it is like uh, without we a wouldn't doubt, say no. Like, we wouldn't say no. Yeah. One, of, one of my favorite movies of the last decade. Like I have to always explain that to people. I'm like, this is not. This is not ironic. This is like genuine, okay. yeah. full-hearted embrace of this movie. Uh, but that is a, a discussion, perhaps for another day. It's such a bummer when people ask, "Oh, is that ironic?" It's like, "Fuck you, yeah, man." I know. I know. It's like we're past. I feel like we're past that. At least I hope. But, well, I mean, I think in our circles, but if you talk to like, you know, if I talk to my uncle and I tell him like Dread is one of my favorite movies of the decade, he's like, mm. oh, okay. yeah. And I'm like, all right, just like, let me know. <laughs> um, I know. I, well, I mean, listen, to turn the tables, you, you kind of had that energy going in with uh, with Peyton and uh, NYSM. Oh, true. Well, I didn't say. Uh-huh. I didn't, no, I didn't no, I'm, I'm teasing, but it's more, more it's like, yeah. But I, I, but it was, I, it was sort of that I, reaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Before we get into your take, though, should we ask William Goldman, who is here oh, with yeah, us today? Lovely to have you here. Um, how did you form your love of film? And if you had sort of an aha moment, and this is what you'd like to be obsessed with, like we are. Sure. So, um, I mean, I think, I don't think it really, so I've always liked the Mission Impossible movies, right? I, I saw, I don't think I saw the first one until I was a little bit older, but I saw Mission Impossible 2 with my, with my dad when I was a kid. Um, I think I skipped three in theaters, but eventually caught that. And then was really intrigued by the premise of Brad Bird. You know, I love The Incredibles doing, you know, a fourth Mission Impossible movie. The Burst Khalifa sequence of that movie, I think, is like absolutely incredible. I've always had like a bit of a soft spot for Cruz. I know roughly so with his Scientology stuff. He's like persona non grata in some circles, but uh, I've always been you know, fascinated with him as an actor and his career. And I really truly do believe he is like one of our last like true blue bona fide movie stars. Absolutely. So that, that being said, I think, you know, was was impressed enough with kind of how uh, uh, ghost ghost pro ghost ghost protocol had kind of uh reinvigorated the franchise moving forward and did not really know a ton about macquarie before headed into rogue nation and i think it was just one of those things a, a combination based off of um the trailer and i think really good reviews where i was just like totally uh down to see it and saw it and just had my mind blown um i only saw the i think i saw it twice maybe in theaters but had, had not revisited it in quite a while um 
and I do think it stands up there with um, with all those top tier 2015 releases, especially as far as like blockbuster filmmaking goes. And then just really just kind of clued into to all things uh, MI and, and the trailer Fallout. It was uh, just un- unbelievable stuff. And I, I really think for as good as Rogue Nation is, and I do think Rogue Nation and Fallout are sort of a 1A, 1B, or a part one and part two, like those two movies are so intrinsically linked together. Uh, but for me, Fallout stands up there with Fury Road as like one of the best action movies of the last decade. Like, is mm-hmm. I know we have our raids and our raid twos, and but as far as like John Wick, John Wick's, yeah, exactly. I was like, I know there's another one that I'm for, I'm forgetting in there. Uh, but I mean, I, I think in terms of like sheer rewatchability, entertainment value, I for me, it really is like fallout and and fury road because every time i watch those movies there i'm always picking up something different this uh and in each time that i watch them and you know just just from a purely i mean i was blown away in fallout just how um macquarie always puts something visually compelling on the screen at all times like there's never a wasted frame in that movie and i feel the same thing about fallout as well so you know what cruise does in these movies is its own special effect and uh it's just um it's really tremendous to uh to behold and the fact that these movies are like coherent and watchable it sort of feels like a miracle in and of itself let alone the fact that they're just like just incredible feats of, of filmmaking from start to finish oh yeah and, and um they're just smartly they're just smartly made um as Cruz uh does this dedication to character work and applying the same immersion to the stunt work, you know, it's it's just unbelievable and almost expected at this point that um, the dedication is effortless. We talk about in our <laughs> weird comparison, Jackass 3 episode, that Johnny Knoxville is our modern silent movie star. And I also think that applies to Cruz as Ethan Hunt. That's that beautiful. This it's... applies to um Macquarie and Cruz not riffing too too much on that era yet elevating it it's it's funny you bring up silent movie star because it was one of those things I was struck by especially in in fall Tom Cruise Buster Keaton yeah I mean in quotes yeah you say that but Cruise yeah um I was struck by there's that whole like back half of the actual like Rebecca Ferguson side of the motorcycle chase in Paris is like totally unscored. It's just the sound of the engine. And that was the thing that I think struck me this time around about Rogue Nation in Fallout. It's just like how these really intense moments are just given. They're not scored. There's not over extensive dialogue. Like they have their moments where they're sort of riffing, but you know, those quiet moments and just because I think it's an easy target, you know, um, a Marvel movie or say a Kevin Hart action movie or a Netflix action movie, you would have a constant riff of jokes as those action scenes are happening. And you get like a few moments here and there, like the scene with, with Benji and Ethan um, in, in Casablanca and Rodation, you get some of that, but Macquarie's just totally content to just let the action speak and just let you kind of get immersed into it that way. I mean, even on my couch watching it yesterday, I've seen Fallout probably four or five times at this point. I was just mm-hmm. struck by that, where it's just like, I just want to give you, again, almost like a silent film, where I can I can watch this with the sound off and have a full understanding of like what is happening and not lose any of the tension or gravitas that's happening in that individual moment. So it's funny that you brought that up as kind of a silent film, because there are large sections of both these movies that play silent films that I think are- Yeah, it plays all visual and straightforward. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah. Um, I just want a quick question. Um, 
so you told us about it's like you know art your how you became you know so much in love with uh, mission possible what was the road like how did you get to even that point what what was the journey of you uh getting into film in the first place like what's the origin of that Oh, God. Um, I mean, I think it was just a, you know, it was a good family activity for all of us to do as kids. Like, I, I very distinctively remember going to see Lion King as a kid. I, I was born in Alabama, but grew up mostly in South Carolina. But, you know, very vividly remember staying outside the theater with the poster and this, like, you know, strip mall, basically, in Alabama, whenever they came out, 94, 94. 95, somewhere in there, yeah, so, um, and that is, like, one of my, like, very first, like, uh, real memories was, was, you know, being at the theater, and um, you know, it was just a good activity for my dad and I to do when I was a kid, it was just, it was a very easy thing for, um, you know, relatively inexpensive at the time, you know, movie going has obviously gotten way more expensive now, but, it was a great thing for for him and I to go and do on sort of um, you know hang out nights. I was gonna say date night, but that sounds weird. <laughs> Family wise, but yeah, yeah. yeah um, you know, just like a, a good sort of father son activity to go and do. And then, but we also did that for for Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. It was it was always a trip to the movies. Um, but I think the point where things really kind of kicked into gear for me was uh, the Lord of the Rings movies. I mean, I think that was the mm. um, I was 10, 11, 12 you know, somewhere in there, or I guess it was 010203, right? So yep. yeah, that's 11, really... 11, 12, and 13, when each one of those mm -hmm. came out, and uh, really kind of just like the power and epic scale of those movies, you know, I had not seen anything like that in, in live action before. And so I think those were the things that really, I think, from just sort of like a technical standpoint, and then obviously- That's the perfect age too, I would imagine, yeah. You're adapting that's these awesome. yeah. masterworks with these really weighty themes, and, you know, and um, I, I love going to a movie where I could be legitimately scared by something like Gladriel kind of freaking out or, or Bilbo freaking out with the ring and then have these like you know euphoric moments of of camaraderie and, and, and fellowship and then have these amazing action sequences um so I think that was really kind of the genesis point that pushed all of that forward and um well from from that point on I was, I was hooked and and actually you know I still uh you know love going to theaters one of my absolute favorite things in the world to do uh and, and try and do it as often as I can. But yeah, I mean, I think that was, it was, it was just, it was, it was always something that was kind of just like a part of what we did growing up. Uh, but yeah, definitely a special activity that I spent a lot of time doing with, uh, with my dad, which is something I really, uh, really cherish those memories. So. Awesome. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think, yeah. I think I, Mission Impossible came up specifically because I'm sure my dad probably watched the TV show. We may have mm. seen the De Palma version. I just don't remember it off the top right. of my head. Whereas I very distinctively, remember seeing uh impossible too because you know the whole uh sunglasses sequence yeah. in the very beginning is, is you were big into uh, lip biscuit oh for sure dude. <laughs> just uh getting down with the sickness right that's lip biscuit. Absolutely. um uh no but just can't very 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 distinctively remember kind of the you know, the mountain climbing scene and the sunglasses yeah throw yeah yeah, yeah. Stuff, so. <laughs> I definitely think as a kid, I preferred Bond a little bit more. So it was just into spy as a genre yeah. writ large. Like the Bond right. movies were definitely like a big part of my childhood as well. But I think- Interesting. Um, Did your dad like Bond? No, weirdly. I mean, I, oh. I think it was something that he was he was into, but um, there's there's a buddy of mine, uh, his name is Walter. And um, I went over to his house when I was a kid. Um, it was like seven, eight, nine, basically. And his um, his parents had bought him 
like the VHS box set, which I think I remember at the time was like a clamshell briefcase. Oh, yeah. And I remember opening it up and like going through, and I think the individual like boxes sleeves are still like in there and stuff like that. But he he like put them on when we were hanging out at his at his house and uh, just like aware of spy as a genre. You watch like uh, all of them? Like, what did was there like every single one? You just fucking watched them? No, I mean, I still have not. I've only seen like bits and pieces. I, I've never done like a full Roger Moore, yeah, same. Connery same. run. Like, I, I right. really need to. That's uh, I, I would say a pretty significant gap in my in my film knowledge. Just like especially the the Connery stuff, I, th- I feel like is pretty. Uh, half your audience just tuned out because they're like, this guy talking about spy <laughs> movies has, hasn't seen 007. I, Last I'm surprised we, like we have this guy lost our uh, audience and uh, insult. Yeah. But I you know, grew up watching the the Brosnan Bonds. And so I think, again, right. just like spy, spy mm-hmm. stuff for at large was always kind of- like And informs your, your taste, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I would say, you know, on a hot takey level that I was, I would say the, the last couple of years of, of mission, I think have been like way more consistent than the last couple of years of bond for sure. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Sure. I mean, it's probably not a even hot a hot take. take. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, like, yeah. 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 But I, I definitely trend more towards, I think impossible that I have bond movies. Like I was way more excited to go see fallout than I was no time to die or mm-hmm. specter Absolutely. Or, or, or even, you know, coming off the high of, of skyfall I was way more excited for fallout than it was. And Clay, you bring up your take with the 2015 sequels, Spectre coming out the same year as when the nation went rogue, that the, the drop in anticipation with Spectre, it's like they came out mere months apart and it's like, you can so, so clearly see the, the, um, the divide with, with just like how these are assembled. Um, not to, not to say like Spectre isn't competently put together. There's like, re, there's like such an energy that, Rogue Nation has that clearly Spectre doesn't. When you uh, watch Spectre, you feel like you're watching Sam, uh, Sam, it's, it's Mendes, right? Yeah, it's yeah, Mendes. Yeah, 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 it's if, yeah. You feel like you're watching Sam Mendes have a knife to his throat. That's when you, well, when I you mean, watch Listen, Spectre, that's what, that, those are the jokes that Daniel Craig always made. Like, if I do another one of these, right, I really don't know if I'm going right. to like, like he clearly didn't have the fervor that you saw in, I mean, even in Skyfall, the last one. And then you cut to Cruise where it's like, he treats himself in the movies like he's 30 you know it's it's fascinating to me that i really like no time to die to be clear i I, I quite like really like that movie but you can you can also you can also tell where it's like craig put everything into that and right he's this is like the last yeah i'm done whatever this is it i'm i'm putting it yeah yeah absolutely i also think that those movies they're there's a level of seriousness in Rogue Nation, especially Fallout. Like Fallout, definitely. That, that was the thing that stood out to me this time around is there is there. And I think you know, by bringing the Michelle Monaghan character back, like they, that movie just has a level of stakes to it that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an emotional quality. Yeah. It's like, and there's and, like a haunted quality too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but otherwise I would say like, and even Rogue Nation, like they're they're still de- dealing with very serious world-ending threats, right? But Emission, for whatever reason, under Macquarie especially, feels lighter on its feet than all these Craig installments have, with Absolutely. the exception of No Time to Die. You know, I, I realize that they don't want to go back to you know over reliance on gadgets and stuff like that. But so much of the Bond era is so self-serious, and I, I don't yeah. mind that. But it's nice to have mission as this kind of lighter palette cleanser in between these these craig installments that i think are so um i think you know burdened by not only this kind of you know attempt to to marvel ties its own continuity which mission does right like i, I we 
you know, I'm gonna call call it like I see it here, but the way in which Mission, I think, sort of deftly handles that um, versus the, the Craig stuff, I think, that, I think that's part of the reason why a movie like Rogue Nation stands out so much is because you can still have this serious thing, but it doesn't feel as weighty as as the Craig era Bond does. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's very interesting because it's like, so Casino Royale comes out in 2006. Mm-hmm. Mission Possible it, 3, 2006 as well. Yeah, so Mission Impossible has become more Bond than Bond has in a way. Yeah. Because what especially with the crew is, aspect, yeah. Well, Casino Royale is I love that movie. I no notes, love that movie, but it is a reaction to Bourne. It is reaction is a reaction to the Bourne trilogy. Um or I, I think at least the first one came out in the I don't know if the third one came out by that. I think the third one's 2007. The third one, uh, Bourne? Yes. Ultimatum? Yeah, okay. Y- yeah. So the first two had already and also out. just like how poorly the Brosnan ones ended I'll stop yes and no no you're right I mean that you know Brosnan's like oh it's too cheesy no but know, this like, is you know. this is really really important context for sure so yeah it's so it's interesting so yeah like and I was when I was watching Rogue Nation I'm like this has 10 times more gadgets than the last four bonds have put together yeah. There's a whole extended bit about Benji just like talking about how excited he is to wear a mask. Like, yeah. And that yeah, yeah, is yeah. like as gimmicky as the movies are enthusiastic about the gadgets. They have like a like they have like a pamphlet that turns into a computer. Like this is the shit they're doing. And with Bond, it's like I have a pen that can turn into a bomb. And that's right. it. And that's the only gadget you'll see for the whole movie or some shit like that. And again, this is not necessarily saying, oh, Bond sucks because of these reasons. It's just an interesting pivot that both franchises kind of do. I don't necessarily remember if Pro has all of these, like, you know, Pro is pretty gadget gadget heavy too. Like, you have those magnets and all that. Yeah, so it's like, it's interesting to see the switch that these franchises have because, I mean, Ghost Protocol is very much a reaction to Mission Impossible 3 because mm-hmm. that movie is like the pause. This is like the, the pausing point for the whole franchise because um, yeah. after that, it's almost 10 years, right? Almost 10 years since uh, Ghost Protocol comes out after 3? Uh, it's 5. 5? Ghost Protocol is 11. 2011. Mission Impossible oh, 2006. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. I'm stupid. It, um, I but, think it's, I, I mean, you know, Ghost Protocol is interesting you bring up um, I guess, you know, addressing that one that will clearly cover that as at a later date. It's my favorite one. I would like to also. Um, and these two that we've already mentioned, like, you know, they're one A, one B. I think that's a very good way of putting it. Um, three movies, that's a lot to cover, right? So we're just like going to pocket that for yeah. later. I, I will Pro. say very, um, very quickly, I, I do love, I, I think, um, Ghost, Ghost Protocol has, I think, what is like far and away my favorite opening of any mission movie, which is that so good. that whole ain't it a kick in the head sequence in the jail is like yeah. chef's kiss perfection. Like I do love that moment. And obviously the British Khalifa sequence is great and Leah Sado's in that movie. But I just, the what McCory brings to these movies in particular, I think is, um, is I think elevates it for me. It's interesting because I think when me and Jack, so I contacted William and uh, William have been mutuals for a little bit and I contacted William like, Hey, do you want to come on the pod? Uh, this we're doing action month, obviously action month, action month, action month. I did it last episode. <laughs> yeah, I had to yeah, do yeah, it yeah. We have to do it for um, the others. Yeah. 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 Um, but so he, he, you know, he suggested fallout. Um, you wait, did you, which one did you suggest first? Fallout, fallout first. Yeah. Cause that's, fallout. that's my favorite of the two. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So 
and me and Jack were talking about it, like, okay, do we do all three of them that came out in the decade? Because, you know, they're, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it'll be tough to not talk about all three without just doing one, I think. Right. But then we were, then we discussed, well, the thing is, Ghost Protocol, yes, it is connected, but it's very much a Brad Bird movie, and that's a it has a whole other context to it. It's very much in yeah. re- retaliation to Mission Impossible Three and to Cruise, like it, the comeback of Tom Cruise. And yep. if the first four know, are very much their self-contained things rather than the last two, right? And this is very much Tom Tom Cruise is back. This is what we're going to do with him because you know Gross Protocol is his comeback. This is all right. He's okay now. What can we do yep. to like elevate? What this stuff and McCory comes on and McCory changes this whole even though he did work on four he was like a screenwriter that Cruz brought yep. on um this is very much the McCory duology if you will uh this is uh this is directly a McCory and um Cruz collaboration yeah and almost of course they had worked together on Jack Reacher and he had done rewrites on our Edge of Tomorrow which we discussed before and also rewrites from Valkyrie so like they've been together for a long time but I think this was finally Macquarie's chance to prove to Cruz like hey listen I can I can do this I understand the yearly constant and the variable is the filmmaker behind this uh which is fascinating once we get to Fallout and yeah it does have a distinct different feeling I do wonder how much uh, like, of those conversations Macquarie was having, though, involve, you know, looking at Bourne, looking at Bond, and basically saying, yeah. you know, Tom, you've not had a ton of opportunities to really put your mark on a franchise property. This is this is your Bourne. This is your James Bond. Like, let's find a way to to really truly, because at that point, the idea of Top Gun, a second Top Gun happening, was like still pretty out of the books, right? There had been rumors about it for a while, but it, it, you know, it's been really interesting to see that Playboy interview that's kind of been floating around with quotes from cruisers. Like, I basically didn't want to like. I, I think I'm you know uh, surmising it and and maybe not the most elegant way versus so, like I don't want kids running around looking at like top gun two three and four and basically like wanting to turn around and play war all the time mm-hmm. um but you know this this was the opportunity I think for Macquarie to realize that like we can give Tom the star vehicle basically um and and I know the best way to kind of go through and do that and accomplish that and you know from from Rogue Nation forward um really even with Ghost Protocol I mean this is truly but i mean the crazy thing is is that they were gonna write tom cruise out of this out of the series like it was going to be the the jeremy renner show and that is just a crazy concept to me now part and partial because just like how poorly received his born movie was and then he's been off doing avenger stuff for the last couple years which is fine go get that marvel money but like and his music career we can't forget that and the the jeremy renner app yeah yeah, can't forget the app but this is i mean i kind of shudder to think about the idea of a jeremy letter read you know mission impossible fallout you know right <laughs> it's just it, i think it it's just even compute. all of it's just all of the stock that dropped in between three and ghost pro yeah uh, that once you once you start to realize like everything in his personal life that happened is like it does make sense why paramount was uh threatening to replace him with renner but yeah at the same time if ghost pro wasn't their magnum opus no i'm just kidding if if it wasn't a success as they expected it to be then like Runner replacing does like it does make sense just considering what like Cruz like went through. Um, should would you like to add any more to your relationship with the franchise, or um, should we go ahead and establish our relationship with the Mission Impossible movies? Just want to uh, make sure I mean, you didn't miss these, anything. 
no, these movies whip and they should re-release <laughs> them every year in the theater where we wait yeah. for new ones. Just literally, Absolutely. why why can't I go watch Fallout yeah. and IMAX right now? It's all I Christmas week. It should constantly be playing. Um, it's hard to track because it's one of those franchises that where it's just like, okay, I will watch these. I didn't yeah. grow up with them. I like, no one showed me them. It's that, it's a very known franchise. There have been movies that were released. Uh, people said, like, you know, it's like one of those things like, oh, I guess I have to watch these. Yeah. You know, it's that bond where there's a 26 entries where I feel overwhelmed mm-hmm. and don't like, don't feel like I want to watch them or whatever. It's like, and also, like, not every generation has their bond, like, because Cruise is the constant variable. Like, you just are right. aware of Cruise as a, as a presence. Right. And so I can't tell you an exact time I just sat down and I was like, okay, Mission Impossible, let's watch them. Let's give, you know, let me figure out what my opinion is on it. And I'm pretty sure I watched it in, oh, I don't know, maybe I, maybe I didn't watch it in order. I can't, I can't fully remember. Because, um, but I do know that like my connection to, I might've just saw Ghost Protocol before Rogue Nation, or maybe I saw, and maybe I saw maybe Mission Impossible 2 on cable when I was like 12. Um, but Rogue Nation was the first film I logged on Letterboxd. That's the one that's, it, it, it's it's interesting. I've thought about that. So anytime I'm thinking of like, if I have seen a movie or not, or like in, if I've seen a movie or not, and I'm trying to look for when I logged it, if I remember that it's bef- that it was released before like Ghost Protocol, or like, sorry, before Rogue Nation, I'm like, no, I didn't. So it's not logged. Mm-hmm. I, that's just my- Oh, that's, that's my cool. frame. That's like my uh, measure measuring point where it's like, well, you know, for uh, past and future guests of the pod, Mitchell Beaupre can just change that. Just go into your account and right. like right. edit. What was your first log to like, right. I don't he, know. He, um, I'm just spitballing like Jack Reach never go back. Like maybe something like something like that. You can, they might just, just put hot. You can just see Mitchell first like, film. They <laughs> might just favorites. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, shout out Mitchell. Shout out, um, shout out Mitchell, of course. But yeah, so I saw on July 31st, 2015 at uh, when I was on vacation in Michigan at the Pulaski Cinema. Wow. Uh, shout out. <laughs> I watched like, yeah, this was during the summer, obviously. This was in July. Um, mm-hmm. I saw Both it. July with, releases. Yeah. yeah, I saw it with I think the whole family, really. I mean, we were on vacation. We wanted to see a movie. Mission Impossible looked good. So, you know, and Mission Impossible, of course, is just one of those franchises where you're like, who's going to be like, no, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> like, because you'd be like, surprised. I'm, I'm pretty sure I tried to take uh, back before. I I think I tried to take a couple of dates to go see uh, Rogue Nation. And I believe a couple of, of lovely women in the D.C. area were like, Tom Cruise, no, thank you. Um, mm. So I, oh, I do believe well, that's fair. That's I do fair. believe I ended up seeing this one solo. So, yes. Both. That's fair. Okay, I I didn't think about the Tom Cruise element, but in the sense of yeah. like, and then you, you said you, to the date, the Scientology has a point, and then right, right, right. Like, <laughs> I I uh, unfurled my Hills you know banner uh, in my in my living room, and they're like, yeah. I have a lot of questions, uh, <laughs> none of them will get answers to because I'm leaving right now. Um, I it, it okay, I yes, that's a great point. Um. I guess when I think about like when it's more of the objection to the content in the sense of because it's not bloody enough for people who are like oh I can't do blood and it's not brutal enough yeah yeah it's not brutal enough to be like oh it's too brutal for me it's like you know it's not John Wick and it's not 
it's not too confusing. It's not, you know, like it doesn't take itself seriously. It's, you know, it's one of those things where it, it's hard to just like put your feet down unless you're talking about the Tom Cruise element. Um, so I think, yeah, we saw it with, I think with the whole family, I loved it immediately. Um, I was for sure sold on uh, the franchise and it, you know, it, it's one of those films. I mean, that's 2015 is very much one of the years I like the beginning of me really getting to film. It's like watching Same. a well-made yeah. blockbuster in the movie theater with an audience is like, it's special. I mean, Mad Max Fury Road is one of like, again, a fun, fundamental or like a foundational thing yep. to my love of film, watching that in theaters. And like, you know, I had a rating system at that point where I'm like, I only give four films, 10 out of 10s or whatever. And that film and that film was like, oh no, I mean, there's just, a, there's just a lot of like perfect movies. Like there's a lot of movies that deserve 10 out of 10. Like this isn't like, it just blew my mind. Uh, in a similar way, it's like, when you think of like, when you, uh, William, when you're talking earlier about, you know, Lord of the Rings was that kind of, I mean, I, there was plenty of movies I saw before Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, I was 15 at the time. So it's not like, it's not like that was my first movie. But, I feel very old. <laughs> I was also 15 lot. at the time. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're young. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I am realizing that in real time. <laughs> Jen, uh, the guest. We're actually we seven. Saw... We lied. We, uh, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're seven. Yeah. Uh, Jen, I need Jen... to excuse myself before. <laughs> right. <I> excuse myself. <laughs> Jen, Jen Jonas, uh, the person we had for um, Salt on the last episode. Jonas is her last name, right? I didn't fuck Johans. Johans. I'm, I'm I didn't so want sorry, to correct, Jen. But... No, you know, thank you. Uh, Jen knows I love her. Um, <laughs> she said t2 or t2 was very much like that was that's my favorite action movie of all time that fucking blew my mind and i think there's really there's something to say for how so many like insanely well-made epic blockbusters are the genesis of people's love for film when it's not just the thing you have you feel like oh that would be a fun friday night it's not just like oh that was a fun movie you know like you know i had there were some thrills it was it's the movie where it's like a big you know wide appeal mass audience targeted film that you sit down you're like holy shit there's craft that goes into mm -hmm. these things there's choices there's direction there's just like these there's these a million different layers that you can get from something just this quote-unquote simple um i mean that's why spielberg is very much a big part of people's lives is because that was his calling card well-made blockbusters um yeah so i i think so if something it, weren't that well made you wouldn't recognize the craft like, right and that yeah, wouldn't yeah, blow yeah. your mind you wouldn't understand yeah, exactly. the epicness yeah. of it yeah and yeah. you know james cameron peter jackson these are people who like take this shit seriously and have and take on this massive amount of pressure to make this just this awe-inspiring film I'm not necessarily comparing those. I'm not comparing Macquarie necessarily to those guys. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's a little too soon for that, but I think there's just a lot to say for, even though Rogue Nation, maybe people are like, oh, that was a good movie. That was a great movie or whatever. Like that's really solid, great for block, blockbuster, you know, great blockbuster filmmaking, but it's also just important to understand that people young watching that could, that could be their thing because it's, obviously well made it's obviously well shot it's obviously well put together it's you know it's it's paced really well it, it and then you go into fallout and maybe that's that's uh, some people's film that gets them into that gets them to understand the bigger view the bigger picture of filmmaking um so i it, it sometimes i feel like critics in general kind of discount even if they already think the movie's solid 
they kind of discount sometimes when how that could be placed at the perfect time for some people even if it, even if you're already like oh i like the movie so i don't necessarily need to think about that because it's not gonna it's changed my opinion of it but i think there's a special purpose for those films um that it can really stand out and can really just like change a person's life and i'm not again i'm not saying rogue nation is necessarily that film but i but it it, it I understand, but from my I under, experience, I, I, understand, I, understand, I understand that yeah. it could be, it could be someone's yeah. film that could change their whole view of filmmaking. Yeah. And then it gets them into the indie stuff and then the art house stuff and then the foreign stuff. Yeah. Like that's, that's the beautiful journey that I think a lot of us go on. Absolutely. Um, and, and then like you would learn, like, you know, if Rogue Nation like took influence from uh, like Parallax View, then you would understand like exactly the that yeah, yeah and it's a whole you, it's a whole tree like you know it's and it's especially like Macquarie and you know all the other filmmakers like they're fucking nerds so they draw from a lot of different inspirations so they and they'll talk yeah. about it and so yeah. you can look up interviews and it all it's all this like domino effect um yeah. but yeah seeing and then of course I wouldn't know who Claire Denis is if it weren't for Barry Jenkins talking about in, in a way to really sum up my relationship to the Mission Possible franchise <laughs> Rogue Nation was a game changer it made me appreciate the franchise I went back mm -hmm. and made sure I saw all of them if my memory serves correctly and then of course I'm anticipating Fallout uh and also the other crew stuff that gets me excited Edge of Edge of Tomorrow the yeah. year before and it's like that it all it all is building to you were psyched like, for the mummy like oh my god the dark universe i was, I was about to say be, it was like dark be, yeah. universe bro all american made like, obviously everyone's right right right, right, right. you're flying the plane um, yeah 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 doug lyman legendary yeah. filmmaker um <laughs> night and day but, hive where you at here we're, we're a part yeah. of it yeah we covered that so i need to go back through and listen to it i i appreciate uh, that movie as well speaking of jen uh, speaking of jen yeah she was part on that episode she capped hard for it uh, yeah, I, it's a good movie. Um, but so it is very much the franchise that I've grown to be like, yeah, that's like top tier. That's those last like, and I like Ghost Protocol, maybe not as much as some people, but like, I understand that the three, the 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 trilogy, the end of not a trilogy, but you know, the last three movies that run is incredible for blockbuster filmmaking. Yeah, absolutely. Like insane like for the consistent people will quality. take influence from these yeah like yeah and to just three home runs in a row it's like that just doesn't fucking happen with these movies it just does i mean we talk about bond it's like what you like three out of the five two out of the five four out of like right two yeah so it's like i don't know if you look at the mcu or whatever blockbuster you want to blockbuster franchise you want to pick from Besides, if unless you're Lord of the Rings, it's like almost impossible to hit mm. three in a row. Even then, it's um, like different beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'll keep mine brief. Uh, I kind of have a core memory with MI three for going backwards for a bit. I remember this this one time. Uh, we were at like a family gathering, and my cousin was like, you know, guys, I'm I'm bored, and everyone like around our age went downstairs into his basement, and he pulls out this DVD. It's Mission Impossible three, and it's like we just sat there and like watched Mission Impossible three for for like I, I don't know, it just felt like forever, just because like what are we doing? <laughs> like it was a, it was a bunch of like eight or nine year olds just like huddled around being like, film what Seymour Hoffman is is like interrogating, right, uh, threatening you know, to it's, murder it's just, his yeah, loved one, Michelle on it, yeah, exactly. And um, seeing that it was just like nine years old would freak me the fuck out. No, exactly. That's why it's a core memory because like I I just feel like looking back at it why did we 
watch that. It was, it was not only like, it was I freaked out. Just like, this is so random for like, <laughs> I, my cousin's like a little older. It's like maybe like 11 or 12. Like, oh, why didn't you play for us? But anyway, so like, that was the first time they ever saw anything Mission Pop. Maybe like the first time I ever saw Tom Cruise in a movie. Um, very strange circumstances. Uh, I then remember seeing Ghost Protocol in a theater for my friend's birthday. But I don't, re I don't remember, like, I remember it, like, playing it, like, watching it many more times since then. Um, yeah, like, you know, that's their crowning achievement. <laughs> um, but then uh, afterwards, I remember, like, my dad, like, like, what we brought up earlier, like, this is a fan, like, a family, like, big thing, and, and everybody can, can enjoy this at, at some aspect. Um, my dad was a fan of the show. And we both were, like, really excited for Rogue Nation, because, like, similar to you, like really, really amped into film at the time. In summer 2015, similar relationship with this and Mad Max. I was like, wow, I like, I came out of both of those like vibrating. <laughs> um, and my dad was like, oh my God, you like, you have to see um, uh, Vision Fossil 1. Cause like my dad loves the first one. And yeah, like that one and two, like, like the reputation serves. I've seen the least, but people are reevaluating too. Like, it seems it seems like the John Woo heads are out to give that one a second look. Yeah, and uh, I still think the, the that, OG is like far and away the best one because De Palma's yeah. the fucking De Palma's man. The but, master. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember just like the hype for Fallout was so different from the hype from Rogue Nation. I think it was just the surprise that Rogue Nation was gave us the confidence to be excited for um for Fallout, just with the return of Becca Ferguson and Chris McCory. Um, and then, no, I mean, then I, yeah, saw Fallout in theaters, just like, felt like I just ate a brick of cocaine and that was just <laughs> excellent, yeah. But no, these, these movies have always like been in my life because I feel like I've been like alive for a majority of them. So I think that kind of helps. So, I mean, I think that's also different from Bond as well. Yeah, Mission is much more accessible than Bond is, just because, to your point, it's not having to watch, like, you know, 27 different films, although that's not yeah. stopped people from getting to Marvel, right? But, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to do, you know, to go back through with Bond, whereas Mission's pretty pretty easy to, to understand and to get through. And people will compare Mission to Fast and Furious as well, with just, like, the similarity similarities they have, but... Um, yeah, that's always... I. I get that. It's always just been a stretch to me. Like the, I, I mean, I understand they come out at a different time. You know, people are like, oh, they have different filmmakers. You know, like in each ep, each uh, installment. But I don't. Fast and Furious is, I think, something that can't really be compared to because it's such a crazy journey that franchise has been on from a Point Break ripoff to a superhero movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I re I remember. Um, you know, we're all, we're all fans of Blank Check here. And Griffin Newman even said that the Mission Impossible movies uh, treat friendship the way that Fast and Furious treat family. And I think that's an interesting distinction. I, well, the thing is, I think the, re, I, you know, there's a lot of reasons why Mission Impossible succeeds. Um, it's, of course, 
the genre it operates in and the people's affinity for that and how it hits on those tropes in a very fun and creative way. You get, you know, you have all the masks, you have all the gadgets, you have all the twists and turns and double agents. It's like Halloween, agents. a bunch of boys playing trick or treat. <laughs> right. It, you know, it it's one of the more effective franchises to play on those tropes. It almost, you know, it, it, it is filled with, them. I mean, I can't imagine like, you know, of course people talk about how much born was ripped off during when it came out. And like how that influenced action and just like filmmaking in general. And I talk about how Salt very much feels like a reaction to Bourne. Um, but go, you go before all of that and mission, the first Mission Impossible. I mean, De Palma. I mean, like that's how many more like films are ripped off from that. Um, even though the second one maybe deviates since Wu is very much a different film. And, and going back from from there, De Palma's Mission Impossible doesn't even share that many uh can, uh, similarities to the television show really um ethan hunt is a brand new character and cruz kills off the main character from the tv show in the very beginning I was gonna say, they kill they kill off yeah. the main characters from yeah. the show the very it's fascinating it's like insane yeah. um and of course like that's cruz's franchise in our and since and it has been since but it's uh cruz's first producing project and i think it's like the fact that it's it's had this longevity he produced and, the first one yeah it's the first one oh. they ever produced and then has been a producer ever since um yeah i mean he's films. taken it obviously a very vested interest which is <laughs> yeah. so crazy to think yeah. they were trying to kill him off or whatever and right. it's yeah and it's crazy it's, he no I, I mean that. like thinking about it that way like what do you hang on as a producer if they like yeah runner yeah it was it was interesting that he even accepted for in the first place they must maybe he right. felt like he, that was his only option I, I think it might be his only option and he i think he needed like a win <laughs> Right. Uh, like with the run of like but, Lions for Lambs and like Valkyrie and like thinking what comes after him. I let think. us, but let us, but let us ponder the idea that maybe Renner, that they didn't change it. It's like, and Renner did take over the mantle. Is that a win for him or is that embarrassing? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'd I like think, to start with Rogue Nation and then like go into Fallout. Well, I just wanted to say something real quick about Absolutely. the Fast and Furious comparison that you mentioned what Griffin says. It's like, family or like that the idea of friendship being so important i think what the franchise is not talked about enough in the terms of ethan hunt as a character um we talk about cruise's star power we talk about the different directors taking on the filmmaking uh, we talk about um you know we talk about the cast and the evolution of the franchise um i don't think we talk necessarily about how hunt in of itself, the how the character, how it is written is very much, Ethan Hunt as a character uh, is huge for this franchise in the sense of his, in, in Fallout and Rogue Nation deal with this like directly, the idea of one life is not worth, like one life is worth just as much as millions are. Mm -hmm. And I think, and of course action heroes have had that same mantra in the past, but his obsession and total commitment to that idea like bond i mean fucking who cares like you know kills everyone i mean not so ethan hunt kills plenty of people but you know if one of his ingenue dies he's like oh that kind of sucks and moves on some uh some random fucking employee at a record store or you know an operative she dies he goes fucking crazy because he feels responsible for that. Yeah. So that, she, that real determination and obsession of preserving innocent life is, I think, a huge part of what makes 
the franchise so compelling and the character so in because i i we all would just assume oh if the reason ethan hunt is cool or we like ethan hunt is because of tom cruise and for the majority of it that's true but i think just one Cruz understands that aspect of the character, but also a lot of the writers of pretty much of all the films have understood that point. Yeah. And I think that's, and that's why, and that's why McQuarrie capitalizes on that. He understand like his whole point of his whole pitch of keeping Tom Cruise as the, as the main antagonist of the series, or sorry, main protagonist of the franchise in ghost protocol was, Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. Ethan Hunt is this franchise. You can't have this franchise without Ethan Hunt. That's just not possible. You lose the real fucking soul yeah. of it. And it's true. He, the character, I think people don't give the character as it's written enough credit because I just was blown away in the, you know, watching those, you know, rewatching the McQuarrie films, just like Ethan needs to be in control, but he also needs to make sure he saves everyone. And if he doesn't, he feels like absolute dog shit and he feels like a failure and he feels and you know that man and he has to put in every single amount of effort into keeping every single person alive that he interacts with this is jumping ahead a little bit but that is why i think you know i i had um i made a lot of hate watching uh top gun maverick i was like oh the scene some of the scenes that he has in that are sort of like the most like uh, um, emotional and, and most sort of like real that he's felt as like an actor in all the time like specifically the the scene that i think it's gotten a lot of credit for is that you know the the moment where um maverick sees uh rooster at the piano and sort of the emotionality that Cruz yeah. has in that but i've forgotten how just like absolutely devastating the delivery he gives to michelle monaghan is like when when they basically are just like we have to go right now and he's just when he's just like i'm sorry i'm so sorry like that mm-hmm. moment like crushed me and the shift in night. his body language when, when west bentley walks away the second yeah. It, it's yeah. it's yeah the physicality of how he handles that scene i was just like absolutely blown away and then just like the and the two of them together, especially in that moment, I think are just like, are so excellent, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, just the, the, the way that he sort of like gives that concession to Julia in that moment, I was just like, that's just as good as anything that I saw from, from him and Maverick. And I'd forgotten how, how fantastic that was, but Clay, I mean, I think that is such a great point, you know, and they, I think McCory really hammers that point and fall out with the, the French cop, you know, that, that is really yes. kind of, that that's the scene I think about in, a lot. Yeah. In, you know, a, a micro distill- distillation of your macro point, but you know, the, he still is like gutted over that moment with the, you know, the, the operative in the record store too. And just like him trying to so much, I think the, the mission franchise is, is Ethan Hunt trying to, and for the most part being successful, being able to bend the world to his will. And that is one moment where he's like truly incapable of being able to sort of, rewrite reality around him and, and having to deal with the consequences of that i think really informs why he's um you know he's just like totally out to get it uh to get um the sean baker character throughout throughout these films and of course as soon as he comes for for benji it becomes personal in, in, in a real way but um yeah it's a really 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 smart observation thank you yeah i think rogue nation and fallout um value mi3 then we may realize on the surface because like like you point out it really establishes um ethan's moral compass uh to be the continuing aspect of his character and bringing back julia really shows like uh his prote- his protective needs over his entire friends and it's like it's okay if he solves the mission by the skin of his teeth like 
yes, he he is very competent at what he does, and and it requires like a, an entire collaboration team. But he barely solves these missions. Yet, like that's not the most important part anymore. It's really like everyone's around him. Like <laughs> he wakes up to Wes Bentley and Michelle Monaghan. Like you know, that's what that's what you like, and and uh, and Erica like giving him the nod of approval, and like that's really like what he needs as as a as a confirmation of of um, solving and like accomplishing the mission, I guess. Now um, I wish that when Cruz woke up, he was like, is Wes Bentley? <laughs> I think I said what? Sean Baker earlier. I meant Sean Harris. I, oh, yeah. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I was wait. I was, Sean yeah, Baker at Solomon like, Lane. Sean, I would love yeah, that. Yeah. that. That would be sick. Yeah, um, yeah no, Sean Harris. I, I 40-year-old uh, indie filmmaker. <laughs> well, I, I think it's really interesting. Solomon Lane, I think, is the first villain, period, to be carried over to yeah. a sequel. Um, and I think it's very apt because Macquarie is the very first director to be carried over to a sequel. I think Mac- I think a lot of Solomon Lane comes from Macquarie in the sense of the whole idea of Solomon Lane, especially in Rogue Nation, which we'll kind of focus on here. The IMF is uniquely trained and highly motivated. Specialist without equal immune to any countermeasures. But it is an agency of chaos. The time has come to dissolve the IMF. Now, I want you to choose your next words very carefully. Where is Hunt? Last I heard, he was tracking the syndicate. How come the CIA has never discovered any intel regarding the syndicate? You want the polite answer or the truth? We've never met before, right? Finally. Benji. Ethan, where are you? The Syndicate is real. A rogue nation trained to do what we do. An anti-IMF. They're coming after us with everything they've got. You ready? This may very well be our last mission. Let's make it count. So what's the play? You want to bring down the syndicate? It's impossible. How do you know we can trust her? Desperate times. Desperate measures. Get your seatbelt on. You asking me that now? Oh, hey, boys. What did I miss? Ethan? Benji? Open the door! Open the door! Yeah, I'm trying. Oh, my God! The whole point of Solomon Lane is he understands Ethan better than anyone. He is completely understanding and and can predict every single move he can make. I mean, what we talked about in the sense of the reason he just kills that record store employee wasn't because he needed no witnesses or whatever. He didn't even need to be there. 
is because, and he wanted to kill her right in front of him because he knows how much that will fuck with Ethan. And they say that, they say so later in the, in the film, like he knows that will be an instigating event to, for Ethan to feel powerless to save an innocent, for him to know that it was his fault. Him being there is the reason she died and him like basically shoving it in his face. And I think a lot of Macquarie is like, I don't know, I think the, re- the way Macquarie understands Ethan as a character is what is written into Solomon Lane. Um, I think oh, I think Macquarie is like kind of talking through Solomon in the sense of how under how Ethan Hunt is such a morally rigorous person, and his he doesn't really make he doesn't make any concessions, not really, and that in understanding that can make him predictable, and you could all kind of defeat him that way, but. He also, but I think, but I think if you focus too much on that, focus you you think so you think of his moral rigorous as a weakness rather than a strength, is what ends up. That's why he beats uh, Lane. But I mean, I think that's what Macquarie believes in general is that the reason he wins is because he values the life of a, of one instead of yeah. just the life of millions. And also, Macquarie realizes that one of the key aspects to Rogue Nation and Fallout, uh, trying to uh, um, bring back more uh, of these foils and people who can diagnose Ethan, um, right. like Ilsa and August and Solomon. So the, the point about for as much as Solomon is kind of like the, I think, understands the negative aspects of it. That's what I like so much about the Ilsa characters is I think she mm. is, you know, um, she's the side that is able to like relate to kind of Ethan's like you know that that moral compass right yeah. like she, she can understand ethan better than ethan understands also in my, in my and she is also the first female part of the team that is carried on to the scene and of course, like, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 it's, and so it's in, interesting that yeah. they have those two mirrors and in macquarie sort of positions these two mirrors there and you know um how ethan sort of understands her and how they understand each other that and and the 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 brevity in which macquarie establishes that relationship and manages to make it this hugely believable thing where at no point are you sort of questioning ethan's level of commitment to ilsa even though benji and 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 other folks do you know it's one of those things like we very clearly understand like why these two are kind of like drawn to each other and it's it's so interesting to to have that relationship and and then what ferguson does with the character and being able to kind of infuse that into her is just it's i mean i think it's nothing short of like brilliance honestly like it, that that might be yeah you know a little too high praise but just like the sparsity in which she's able to establish that relationship and make it so compelling and then further refi- further refine upon that and fallout too i think is just is incredible yeah i i mean i i, I mean that's a great segue to talk about rebecca Ferguson from for, for a second i mean just like a fantastic find and in, in it it's the perfect time to like bring back uh, a key, a, a key character from one movie to another, as we've uh, seen, you know, Peg, Rames, and and Renner come from Ghost Pro. And I have I, I have I, a crazy cruise theory that I think now ooh. is like a perfect time to just yeah of sure no I, I was just gonna I was just gonna say like uh, Rebecca Ferguson is like an incredible discovery and everybody was just like re- like noting that in their reviews at the time so it's like yeah I, I mean. It's, yeah, it's just pretty cool to see her like pop off in like such a unique way. Like, I feel like 
she can be applied to like any decade and still like yeah you know you're just like a movie star from the 90s or something like that well i mean that's what reminiscence tried to do basically is they sort of like cast her as this like 50s inspired like noir femme mm-hmm. fatale right like i i did not see reminiscence all, yeah. all things yeah. considered but the the tone of that trailer was very much like oh she is this like femme fatale and she can go from that to right being just like this totally unhinged dr sleep performance that like i love yeah and i mean clay beloved dr un, yeah. uh, super underrated movie but um i i have this like and maybe this is not as like uh, insightful as I believe it to be, but it, within the last couple of years, especially Cruz's ability to take people around him and like raise them to his level, not only in terms of just like acting, but then the ability to make those people just like bona fide stars is like pretty impressive because he does it here with Ferguson, right? She's, um, you know, she's been, she'd gotten some praise, I think, from a, from like a BBC miniseries that she had done. She the White Queen, like, I think. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, not dissimilar is Vanessa Kirby coming yeah. off of, you know, high praise off the of crown. this, off of the crown. And then yeah. I know for a lot of people, Fallout is the first time that they see Vanessa Kirby and they're just like, holy shit, who's this person? Yeah. And then she goes on, you know, she gets she gets into um, Hobbs, and Shaw. Hobbs and Shaw off of that, which I can't say that I love that movie, but like she's- <laughs> right. far, Not far many people can, you know. Far, but, yeah, far and away, the only part of that movie that like really works for me, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then is in pieces- There's a reason one. why I skipped it in my fa- first Fast and Furious <laughs> watch through. <laughs> um, you know, gets pieces of woman, gets an Oscar nomination for that. And then um, and then also too, what we're seeing with uh, with Maverick, you know, and I think with um, with Gwen Powell in particular had been kind of popping around all these like indie films as, you know, has worked with um, with Linklater a couple of times, but now I think is going to be elevated into this other stratosphere. And, you know, I think we're mm-hmm. about to see the same thing again with Haley Atwell and, and Dead Reckoning even though she's been in a Marvel movie and it's been a part of Marvel movies for a really long time, she's going to get to be a part of this franchise. So it's just, it's interesting, especially the mission movies, how they've been able to elevate these like British female actors basically and emit these new, I think like superstar acting talents. Cause I mean, if you just look at again, like Ferguson's career going from this to Dune and then you look at Vanessa Kirby's career from this all the way through an Oscar nomination in the course of like five years, basically. Yeah. Like it's a you know, it definitely, I think, benefits yourself to surround yourself with someone like Tom Cruise, who's always so focused, I think, on trying to do the best. I, you know, I would imagine that those sets are pretty intimidating, but you can't, and that's part of the reason why I love Cruise. It's just like, you can't argue with the results, man. <laughs> just like the, the proof is in the pudding, like time and time mm-hmm. and time again. And I guess, unless you're the mummy, but I have found <gasps> it was more, more studio and That's the black sheep of his 2010s work. Yeah. That's also directed me, by Alex Kurtzman. Like, let's I know it's, just, it's, yeah. it's 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 the Kurtzman and, and the, like the universal trying. It's to the Kurtzman of it all, like, and it's like if Cruz has really has been. I mean, he's built his entire career off of being so selective of the filmmakers he works with. Like, why this guy? Like, we still come back to like, or out of any. I think um, he he, he would. There's something called a heat check in basketball. Uh, William will know. Uh, it's when. Do you, do you even know what a heat check is, Jack? I don't even. Like... I mean, look at my face. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> I, so it's basic. So when an NBA player or any basketball player is really hot, is on a good shooting streak, or is just making every, you know, he's just making everything in front of him. He's making like five threes in a row or whatever. You know, he's flaming right now. And so when, or, you know, and when a player takes another shot and it looks like, oh, that was kind of a bad shot to take. 
that's a heat check. You get so confident, you get, you know, you're, you're so into yourself. You think, well, I'm making everything right now. Why can't I make this? That's gotta be and that was, feeling. I mean, yeah, but then you, but like, you know, he, but if you're still feeling good and you, you know, miss a confident shot, like, unless you're Denzel Val, uh, uh, Valentine, I mean, you're, it's usually okay. Um, but it's in that the mummy was a heat check. That was like, Oh, I just made three. I made four threes in a row. We're up by 12. Let me just take this wild shot. Yeah. Uh, and he missed and yeah, what it is, it is what it is. Like, you know, people have stinkers. But then he came yeah. back and he dropped a triple double with So it all worked out anyways. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he, uh, no, he, yeah. he well, a shot I mean, and then. I think it's interesting, like sandwiched in between the mummy and fallout. Uh, Quay's beloved American made, apparently. Everyone loves American. I, I have not seen American made. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah American made like 15 points, six rebounds and three assists where it's like, all right, that's a decent game. But like, you know. <laughs> I would love for a Spurs bench player to be that successful this year. <laughs> that would make me tremendously happy. If, if Trey uh, Jones if, is kind of good, right? Trey Jones. He's I, I, okay. Yeah, it's he fine. can't shoot. No, not really. Oh, he's a good player. It's rebuilding year for the San Antonio Spurs. Yeah. Fine. Um, At least you're rebuilding, not stuck in like fucking middle of the t- middle of like. You mean you mean Porzingis uh, in in Cal Kuzma in a no trade clause? Bradley Beal doesn't do it for you, Clay. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, it's funny because I've been watching summer league games. And I'm like, all right, Johnny Johnny Davis become like the next Devin Booker, and it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe not. All right, we'll we'll see, we'll see. Yeah. You can't force anything on. I'm still I'm I'm still you know I'm the fan club of the or I'm the head of the Denny Avdia fan club. So next year he's going to take it. Yeah. Uh, uh, most improved for Denny this year. I wanted the absolutely. Spurs to draft him, and then the Wizards took him. They wanted um, to so. too. They yeah. they love their foreign prospects. They do. Um. Enough basketball, okay? All right, I'm sorry. I know I get carried away. We do this I was, every episode. Yeah. I was, it was playing to the crowd on that one. Thank we're going, we're going to sound off a buzzer noise to like signify that and end a basketball talk. William, you could only imagine how I was corner. on High Flying Bird. It oh was God. disgusting. Oh my God. Yeah, I cut out my individual track actually. Uh, it's just, yeah. <laughs> just me and Paul. Um, it, was a, it was a clay heat check, is what it was. <laughs> it really was. Oh boy. I was da- like just throwing up as many like deep threes as I could. Yeah, you started but making yeah. up names at one point. You couldn't think of anything other. Right. Yeah, I was just naming like like third string Miami Heat centers and like you know I was naming like Dexter Pittman and like I, I think that might have been like I think we tried to do an intro and it didn't work out, so we had to like redo it. But in the intro, I was like being like I was just like trying to show off and like all right, what's some obscure basketball players? Joel Anthony, you know, just go go crazy. Uh, then again, you know probably a decent amount about the Miami Heat, don't you? Are we, was that a heat check joke? Or yeah, oh no, it was also that. Yeah, no, it was a Ray Allen joke. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Right, I right. just I have blocked that part out of. I've mm-hmm. had that. Mm-hmm. Um, You've repressed it. Yeah, I've, I've actually had it lobotomized. Um, so like, I just good. don't. <laughs> that's um, good. Yeah. I, yeah. I just don't even process. My Doctors made a anymore. one special occasion for your lobotomy. That's with me and Kelly Olynyk in Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Semifinals. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're on some more pages there yeah, um yeah what were we talking i feel like i need oh, to so, get a lobotomy now okay. right no you should yeah, just uh, included yeah. rogue um rogue nation that's a movie that we are talking about oh i was also gonna say dead reckoning another actress i'm actually excited for is pom clementoff yeah i think yeah. i'm pom- I, don't, I don't know why i've like totally like bought stock in the pom clementoff trade but like <laughs> this I is like, on an inst- very you know like 
uh, interesting French model. You know, it's like- she that, but it's also like her and those MCU movies. She's doing something, man. She's like one of like you know. I'm her, her and Batista are making choices in those movies, yeah. and that is like it, Batista well, needs to get in this franchise. It, it's them and and Bradley Cooper are like the three that are really just like we're doing something here and we are going for it. Right, and I mm. and I think I think she has a lot of potential as an actress. Uh, I've already been very impressed with what she has done. I follow on Instagram and her training videos have been really interesting for um, Dead Reckoning and she looks crazy in the trailer. Yeah. So especially with, we were talking about the track record of Mission Possible introducing a lot of these female actresses. Um, I'm very interested in how she pops because- Palm, To your point, Palm's probably gonna be the one that probably pops a little bit more than Atwell just because- um, Atwell's more known. Yeah, she's, I mean, she was, I, I keep, but even I still think about her career. She was like in a Captain America movie, led a TV show, you know, and and now still been like doing MCU stuff. But like, yeah, hopefully this will kind of put her in a place where she can be just like not playing Captain Carter yeah. in, in MCU movies moving forward. Yeah, especially if she's like getting five seconds of screen time. Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, I hope I hope better for her too. But um, yeah, it's also you know shows Clementoff in a different range because I think only people know her exclusively from being Mantis, and that's very much a very specific uh, role and performance. Uh, so I'm yeah I'm I'm pumped for that. I'm, I mean I'm pumped. I think we're all pumped for that movie in general. Um, it's funny you bring up Dead Reckoning as this part one because I think that was the thing that was very very apparent to me with Rogue Nation this time around is that. I would not be, I don't think they would ever do this, but I wouldn't be shocked if at some point there was in the same way that Edge of Tomorrow has been sort of like rebranded 15 different times. If they like turned um, the fallout in, in Rogue Nation into sort of like a, like a part one, part two. almost. Right. Again, I, I, I would never think that they would do that, but like watching them almost back to back last night, it's so readily apparent how those two really are kind of like two distinct halves of this larger Macquarie story, basically. And, and, and how important, you know the the Solomon Lane character really is, and, and also the Ilsa character, right? Yeah. Um, but really, Lane's whole thing there, and and how he's able to pull that through and pull that thread from from three all the way through too, and and make that feel like this really cohesive thing. But um, the, those I was so much more aware of how intrinsically those linked, even are down, even down to kind of like the um, like. I think there's just like fun inversions in it, like um, or, or fun callbacks in a way that are like very, very, are very clearly meant to sort of like link to one another. Like I think there's um, there was one sequence where I noticed where I think like where um, it's not exactly like one to one, but sort of like the, the hedge maze that they meet in Paris really, like, in a lot of ways, kind of felt like another moment where mm. Ilsa and, and Ethan meet in, in Rogue Nation. I thought I had it written in my notes, but I think I kind of missed it. Oh, they're almost like franchise check-ins too. Meeting like, when they meet in the train station yeah. versus when they meet in the woods in Paris, those two scenes feel very sort of like mirrored um, of each other. Like them meeting in the train station is actually busy and overcrowded, but it's this very intimate moment. And then yeah. when they meet in this like hedge maze of Paris, it's the it's the complete reverse of that. It's still this intimate moment, but there's literally nobody else around. And just like this fun kind of like funhouse mirror, basically sort of like flips or reimagining of these things that have come before. Um, but it's just um, they're they're tied together they play so well together as two separate halves and you it, i think it's hard to do that 
if you've set these up as like two separate distinct things, the fact that they do tether together in such a nice way is, is just but they're also of, satisfying on its own. hundred percent. Which is always, what I'm worried about with Dead Reckoning is that I still want it to be the satisfying thing and not feel like this cliffhanger that leads that, to this other one that we're going to have. That mm. is the inherent issue of the part one, part two thing. Um, it's, I don't know if it's ever been done well, really. I mean, I, it depends on what you think of the Harry Potters and the Hunger Games of the Twilight, world. Twilight, as we discussed, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's, it's calling your shot, um, but it's also one of those things where I honestly just wish it was just not, even if it's a part one, part two, just don't call it Dead Reckoning part one because it's, I think it, there's a tweet uh i think when maverick was coming out or something or one of one some a, a person went into a movie theater and they were watching trailers and they said that the moment the title dead reckoning part one showed up everyone groaned and that's mm. not because it's like oh I, we hate mission impossible it's the part one thing because i think audiences know that it's just like why why do this why set us up for us feeling already going to feel like it's not the whole thing do you think do you think people felt that way watching Dune though? Because I guess like because I know some people's reaction watching Dune was like, where the fuck is the other half of this movie? And they had yeah. not really advertised it as a part one. So it's like it's kind of a damned if you damned if you don't situation, right? Like it's kind of I, I yeah. also no matter what you do, you're you're gonna lose. You enter oh. Dune as just Dune. You conclude Dune as Dune part one, right? Yeah. It's like you're going in, you're just like, I, I think that's an interesting move as well as the marketing. Sorry. Yeah, I guess it's just never really been done well. I don't know. I mean, like, I know you could argue. It's, it's hard to pull off. It's like you're painting yourself into a corner. Like, it's right. There's a lot and of you obstacles. Can argue Infinity War and Endgame, but that's more of a cultural thing than like a critical thing. That's more of just like people in general, like that mm-hmm. worked. But it's also, I don't know. I don't, I think, I, I think unless you're a TV show, cliffhangers kind of suck for film. I don't know. I, I haven't, I can't think of one where I'm just like, great cliffhanger guys you know it, it's <laughs> some of them can be effective there isn't a prime it, example where like it stands out immediately and i guess that's telling like you have I to mean, like think always, about it yeah. there's always teasing sequels there's always like oh this is where it could go but for, you know mm-hmm. in in it and of itself cliffhanger is very much like oh so i didn't get the whole meal you're saving like you're you're i can't i you're saving the one side that completes the whole meal for me okay mm-hmm. i appreciate that i guess but yeah and for so much of the franchise like it's it's been able to stand on its own and Cruz has made a point to, to be like, no, these, these um, are, are standalone missions. And, and, you know, like it's mission impossible. Like they seem impossible. Yeah. It's, it's concluded by the end. I guess that's like an obvious thing, but um, I'm interested if I, what they do, this is Sean is Solomon Lane confirmed to be in that. I, I, I do not believe he's going to be a part of it. So it, it was going to be, they ended up having to recast him, but Nicholas Holt was going to be the villain in this. Right. And I remember this. He had yeah. to drop out. Um, yeah. And Palm, I think, is going to be one of his, was going to be one of his henchmen. Um, yeah. But, you know, they, they ended up having to recast the role, I think, um, uh, for COVID purposes. Just schedule, when they when they picked back up filming schedule wise, it wasn't going to work with, with Holt's schedule, which is interesting because there's something about Holt that I think like lends him to be like a perfect Macquarie villain. Like I, I do see some overlap between Sean Harris and, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cavill too. Um, there's some DNA between, between all of those guys um, that I think you would have made a, a fantastic villain, but um, nevertheless. Right. So it's, it's interesting. I think this, 
I think Reckoning will be very much like, okay, that was the Fallout Rogue Nation duology. This is a new duology. I it's don't, a new thing. Yeah. I, because yeah. I think that's all, maybe, you know what? Maybe, I'm, maybe I need to give Macquarie some credit here. Maybe that's why it's really called Dead, Dead Reckoning Part One, because he wants to make sure these two are uh, very much uh, of a piece rather than a part of the Rogue Nation Fallout. Maybe he wants yeah. that to, there, there's this like strict separation of church and state in that way. Um, I don't know, but that can make sense. Um, because Macquarie yeah. has become sort of the author of this franchise, it's a smart move of him to make Fallout and Rogue Nation have a different flavor from each other, where you could so easily see them like feeling or, like he, did, he didn't have to, I think, because he's a very, I think he's an intelligent writer. And um, especially when it comes to these, this, this franchise, like he understands this franchise very well. Um, and I, I like that Rogue Nation has this sort of relaxed, loose feeling um, that you can you can clearly see the flip into Fallout. And I think it's why I kind of like it more, but I, I, I just, I don't know. It's it's just like such a different feel than than any others. Like it, it carries, over, carries over from the playfulness of Ghost Protocol, yet it has like a sturdy feel to it. I, but I like that in Fallout too. Like there is the mm. whole kind of just like that whole middle sequence where you have like the cross, double cross, double cross, like, and and Cavill's like whole like, why did you have to make this so fucking complicated? Like, there's a level of self awareness that I think Fallout has to mm. it that I I admire. And just you know, I heard there's um, I don't know. I, I'm very envious of the Empire film podcast because yeah. they're able yeah. to just do these like. You know, you know how hard it is to get a director to sit down for two hours. Like that is almost unheard of. Like it is. I so, you know, between like, you know, they have these like extensive chats with Macquarie around each one of these movies, and he was like, you know, part of the reason we had, I think they were kind of like figuring. They're still trying to figure out the third act, even as they were filming this. And I think like Tom's injury on Fallout gave them the opportunity. I think to really kind of spruce that up. But that's why there's so many moments of them being in this film talking to Ethan Hing's like, we'll figure it out. Because that's what they were doing during the course of the production on this movie. They were just like, we'll, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll just, we'll find it somewhere along the way. But like, it's interesting that you bring up kind of that chaotic nature. I think that was reflective of the shoot, but it is kind of this like controlled chaos in a way where it's yeah. like you the feel- movies reflect the production where it's like, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to go for it, but we just don't know if we have all the pieces yet. And going into Rogue Nation without a script and knowing they want like the set piece they set pieces they do. Yeah. So apparent. It's um crazy how committed Macquarie is to everything about Hunt. Like you just I didn't even think about the idea of just like approaching like Hunt's philosophy and improvising and just doing things, how that could even be reflected into his filmmaking in the production itself. Um Man, he really fucking, that's the, that's the thing. It's like, I think people were, when they announced he was coming back for Fallout, oh, they're going away from the formula. It's going to be the same filmmaker. Yeah. You know, it used to be this fun thing of who's going to give, who's going to tackle Mission It's the revolving next. door. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and I get that, but it's also like, 
no one else is as committed as he is to this franchise. Not even and, close. And especially so, with the Macquarie Cruz collaboration. Like that's I think that's a very special find. The the two of them get each other in a way that I don't think any other director will. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like in unless Dead Reckoning is an absolute just dead bomb, which like I I'm I, I don't think that would be the case. No. Um, I have, uh, and you know, Macquarie's done this twice at this point where like, I, you know, I'm fully confident in his ability to be able to do it a, a third and fourth time as well. But it's like, as long as Macquarie wants to come back and continue to do these movies, I am game for him to do them for as long as he can in, in, until the wheels fall off. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. because of that point that you're saying, Clay, like he just has like, not only such a fundamental understanding of who Ethan is his character, but like how to tailor that to Cruz's strengths and create you know, these stories that I think just like work well, these like seamless sales that work well for, for everybody involved. I am like more than fine for him to continue to be a shepherd of this franchise moving forward. If not directorially, at least script wise. Like right. I, he he yeah. understands that in, in such a stark way. And it's like, who else? I don't know. When people's like, oh, I, I would to love to see Joe Kaczynski do uh, a Michelle. Okay, well, this point. I was like, true. I was yeah. going to, I was. Say that's exactly. okay all right which all right. the the, right. the last act of of maverick kind of turns into mission impossible for, oh, for a yeah. second but right. oh, um yeah. you know i i think you know kaczynski and cruz have had you know two collaborations at this point mm-hmm. you know and it's it's you know it's pretty difficult to find a collaborator that you can continue to do those projects with over and over and over again like i feel like the macquarie cruz relationship is so that is the exception not the rule right like um and it, i think it's pretty rare to have that continue like it's a lot of effort to to continue to make those things happen over and, I, over, and over and over again i we've talked we talked about this very heavily in edge of tomorrow in our episode but i truly believe he is going to only work with three makers three filmmakers for the rest of his life it's doug lyman uh kaczynski uh kaczynski yeah kaczynski, kaczynski and macquarie i yeah. truly mm-hmm. unless cruz does this create like this very hard like you know deviation he's yeah. like goes up goes uh you know off the beaten path that he's made for himself i can't see him working with any other guys for the rest of i mean life. listen he turned 60 this year it's gonna be fascinating what like his 60s 70s and 80s bring us like does he like play like the paul newman to like miles tellers i think like, he retires you know, second hand or yeah, I'm, I think he I retires, know. but if he can't move as as he wants to physically anymore, he retires. That's my opinion. Yeah. I, I would love to see him work with with um, you know, I don't know. Um I will Magnolia is like one of the few PTAs that I haven't seen. I would love an opportunity to to see him work with PTA again. I would love to of see course. him work with Scorsese again. But yeah, we all and, want that. But yeah, 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 I, I, yeah. I don't like, know if Michael Mann again or like yeah, yeah there's yeah. like because he has such like a deep pocket of filmmakers that are like like that that have gotten so many different sides of him i i it's just it's not, to he's clay, not it's to clay's anymore. point like it's the phase of his career that he's in where it's like he doesn't care we want to see you like like in soderberg or something like like he wants to be use his, you in an interesting way but that's not what he wants to be wants. his own auteur that's why he's become a much more and involved it, producer and it's why he's become an involved producer and an extreme collaborator why no one has really floated the idea that he wants to direct himself um you know because i i I remember i mean he's suggested that i mean he i I think he's doing that by doing these stunts now it's like he but by all accounts i think he is you know the one really kind of coming up and ideating with these things in in a significant way and so i think like that is where he gets that 
that outlet, but he's happy to have, you know, Macquarie, I think kind of be the conduit for, for those other portions. But yeah, I, 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 I think, again, we'd all love to see him do some other stuff, but if he's only going to do Mission Impossible movies, I am more than fine with that as long as they continue mm-hmm. to be as good yeah. as, as these two movies are. Um, I remember watching this interview with uh, Chris McQuarrie and it was, it was when Rogue Nation came out. Um, someone's like, do you have a favorite stunt that you've, they've done in this movie? And uh, he's like, I don't really get involved with the stunts that much. I just, <laughs> you know, I just let Tom uh, work on it himself. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, listen, <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure like those camera choices of like where you put the camera on the helicopter. I'm yeah, it seems like that's yeah. a lot of what like Cruz kind of decides is like mm, I think this is the best part, like best uh-huh. way to do it. Especially with the underwater sequence, which he trained heavily for. Like now we can six minutes apparently six minutes to be yeah, able to hold yeah, up his red suit, which is yeah. insane. That's crazy. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Like, oh my god. That that's I can't I had to skip it. Like I, I just I don't know. Do you have do you guys have like something you believe even though you know it's wrong? Like do you have something you fundamentally like believe in even though you just know for a fact it's not true? I mean I do. I'm having I'm hard pressed to like come up with an example. Well, I have point, one. but like <laughs> I have I have one. And my belief is that I think Tom Cruise is in the top 1% of the most athletic people over the age of 60. Oh, without yeah. a doubt. I mean yeah. there's no doubt. But there's no that. way that's not that's true because there's so many people on this planet that are like you know like there's probably body built like there's probably like tournaments for these people try yeah but i believe in my heart that he is you know <laughs> wholeheartedly yeah. because he is it's insane the man runs like the, i don't know like who's the ever like the fastest person i've ever known or met and like faster than most like i it seems like faster than some pro athletes even like he just he's crazy he's not i mean i think we've all made this point before i think we've all it's been talked about at nauseum of his obsession with doing his own stunts and how insane he is and blah 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 but the athleticism i think sometimes also gets lost it's not even that he's putting himself in danger is that he's doing it with such competency um and mastery and skill that i can't it's unbelievable Uh, it's that competency uh with the stunt work um, that distinguishes uh, Cruz from Hunt, that he's just like, Cruz is going to throw himself at anything, right? If I want to hang myself off of a plane, which was the big advertising for Ignatian, if I want to jump out of a plane, the big advertising for Fallout. Um, but Hunt is like so reluctant and and will hardly make it and is is uh, loyal and, and, you know, not to say counterpoint to, to Cruz and Hunt, that you can look at Cruz as Ethan, yet that will always be um, the dissimilar factor for you know, the franchise. I think the we're talking about the physicality and, and the moment in Rogue Nation where he like jostles himself up that pole that he's like oh, tied on shit. is like one of the most that almost was more impressive to me than like hanging on to the plane like yeah. the the physicality it takes in your body to be able to do that and it's i mean he absolutely unequivocally did that himself right like just seeing seeing the the feet climbing up the pole that was just like unbelievable um yeah just i i'm in awe of just like <laughs> everything that he does and yeah he's like and you see his like fucking 
abs in that scene you're just like you're 60 years old comp like what what the fuck or he, at that point he's like 55 or something yeah still, still, like, yeah 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 but like those are abs like like yeah. there's no there's those are ab, yeah. like, you those can't are cg abs. abs yeah right no. i mean you can but it's never good um <laughs> yeah and if and that would be if someone suggested that to him i think he would actually kill them on the spot yeah. He would call his Scientology bodyguard and like assassinate them. If like, hey Tom, can we uh, uh CGI your abs here? And he's like, <laughs> I will disappear you off this planet. Never suggest something like yeah. that again. Their abs shot by Robert Elswit too. Uh, a great cinematographer. Uh, we mentioned before this is coming out after our Salt episode. Same cinematographer, which is like super interesting. Nope. Yeah. No shit. Okay. Yeah, See, the, yeah, and, yeah. and people think, oh, so like people always assume this is more planned than it actually is. I mean, it's just like whatever dates yeah. work with people yeah. and what movies they pick. It's not like this huge yeah. rocket. And then that's they the just, be- that's the beauty of the guest choice, right? It's like this. It's just, and it just turns out to have some of the craziest coincidences. Um, <laughs> that's really fucking funny. My, um, I'm, I actually pulled Ethan Hunt and stole the, uh, the podcast files for the last episode and made this happen accordingly. That's, that's, yeah, we, we thought so. Yeah. An, an unreleased episode you somehow like got into. Well, I had Zoom to, catalog. I had to, um, train myself to hold my breath underwater. Um, and then I went to a remote file server, uh, with Rebecca Ferguson and I, I swam under and I swapped the audio Peck. files yeah. and, uh, and the zoom underwater headquarters yeah. where See, I, that's I more common you were, you, you, you died enough. and then resuscitated. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Becky Ferguson you, then betrayed you. Yeah. 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 It's a whole situation. That is one of my, my favorite Benji bits in Rogue Nation. He was like, he's like, are you good to drive? And he's like, oh my god, what are you, like, what are you, so what are you talking about? And he's like, you were dead a minute ago. <laughs> no, it's it's like it's it's like her betraying them and then like them like waddling over to the car, like acting like you know, bumbling idiots. And then the costume change always gets me because like Ethan looks like he's coming out of Margaritaville or something. Like the flower that, like button downs are awesome. And is it like is it flower or is it like like a pink leopard print? I couldn't a, tell it, yesterday. What I know. It's it's, it's a divorce dad energy for sure. It's like <laughs> it's definitely midlife like midlife crisis. I'm yeah, going to crisis. I'm going to Vegas and need a party shirt. Like that is <laughs> um, what yeah. That's what I yeah. think of it as is like we're going Vegas to marry we're going to get married in Vegas and I need yeah. a button down. Yeah. This is I my nice with a this is the nicest I need something with a collar. Yeah. <laughs> this is like the nicest shirt I own. Um that's so funny. This is all I brought. Yeah. <laughs> he I, I it's interesting you point to the um kind of co- Benji as comic relief. Um he's go ahead. Cruz has good comedic relief moments too like i caught absolutely the, yes. the, absolutely my favorite and ferguson does too i mean the, the opera house i think is like far and away like the best part yeah. of of yeah. rogue nation for sure and, and that's an, obviously an, you know a, a dumb thing to say but uh because yeah. it's so blatantly true but like the thing i didn't catch this time around and again it's it's been a long time since i've seen this but when he is fighting the um the syndicate goon and he's about to jump to the thing and Cruz is like on the ground. He gives him like the one minute finger before he so gets it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And yeah. it's such a subtle choice where he's literally just like, you gotta, 
um just like a second bro just a second just just like yeah just a second like that <laughs> is it was so funny to me and then the whole obviously like i know at the time the whole like shoes please moment got play because of the whole like jurassic world yeah. thing with bryce dallas howard and stuff i was gonna like bring that. this but up yeah i even, totally forgot about that yeah even it's, without it's that, a it's, weird it's just a weird coincidence i think where they were absolutely. a month apart and and mccory even had to step out and address but it's it's strange yeah yeah um but just like that moment from Ferguson, I think is like a great bit. Um, oh, one of the one of the other things I wanted to, I know we're kind of bouncing all over here at this mm-hmm. point, but one of the things with kind of just like the craziness of Fallout that I think like bleeds into the filmmaking is like the whole mustache Justice League Henry Cavill debacle. I, I was like, I was gonna about bring this up. all right, all of right. that, and just like that is just like kind of a hat on top of a hat in terms of like the craziness of the production of that movie, like the the fact that like. <laughs> And I don't want to lean too heavily on like the behind the scenes production story to inform whether or not a movie is a good movie or not, right? It should be able to stand alone. You right. know, if if it's bad, it shouldn't be tr- you know, a bad production shouldn't give you more kind of like a sympathy for that movie. But at the same time, like I do find it kind of a miracle that there was like so much happening behind the scenes and fallout, and it's still again for my money is like one B behind Fury Road is like the one again, like one of the best pure action movies of the decade. Like it's just, it's uh, that whole situation. I'd forgotten all about that. Like, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I knew Cavill had the mustache, but Justice League is just like such this fracas that like, I just completely forgot about that entirely. <laughs> and then, then like, oh yeah, that's the reason why the, all these reshoots happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and fallout has like and the only time is you can like see something like the production issue is like real small moments so of course in the trailer the big moment that everyone like hoot and hollered for throwed yeah. oscars on the screen yeah. went into the street start burning clothing flipping cop cars <laughs> was when he reloaded his arms right, yeah. right. Um, and grew a mustache or grew that's a beard. the thing that he that was when world peace was uh right but yeah. yeah he grew a mustache and he grew a call or like a pocket too like that like that's been played over and over again people like notice like what the fuck and that's in the final that's not just in the trailer that's in the final movie too and that's like legitimately like, like the only moment where you're like, oh, so they, this was like a reshoot. Like they couldn't mm-hmm. like keep track of the consider like um what's the what's the word like you know they, continuity they, they, continuity like yeah they, back in the day you they used to have I guess they still probably do now but like continuity people who are like oh this this needs to be here this blah blah, blah. Yeah. um that's what but, second unit directors do I think yeah exactly yeah. so and also I mean this that bathroom scene if you read up on like what it took to actually make that fucking thing yeah. it was a laborious process at one yeah. point wasn't sterling k brown supposed to be the fake mm-hmm. mark yeah and it was it took so and long they used to actually a, prepare. one of the stunt uh, stuntmen to right eventually and they, it took fill so, that role yeah yeah exactly and it took so long to prepare that he had to like drop out or something like that yeah. I, I forget the story itself but for a scene that take what it was like five minutes less yeah yeah is like they, they spent the, four weeks that was going to be four days a month it's crazy i'll i there's a really good cruise interview that he speaks about it um the bathroom fight with the sequence itself was supposed to take four days to shoot and it was brutal i mean we me and henry and liang when we were shooting it uh first of all i just kept going we just didn't get it so we just kept going on and on and on and that first day i was thinking oh this is going to be a hard four days it ended up being four weeks and during those first, I think two or three weeks that we were shooting that, every day 
we'd always be asking each other, hey, is everyone okay? You're right after that stunt, and yet that one looked like a hard fall, and, and it looked like you caught something there. Everyone was like, no, no, totally fine. None of us admitted how, how much it hurt. So we were still filming little pieces of it all the way to the end of the movie. And Henry and I, we looked at each other, and I finally said, oh, we, I could see on everyone's face, oh my gosh, we're back in this bathroom. <laughs> Tom and I looked at each other and had a moment of honesty and said, this really hurts, doesn't it? And he said, yeah, yeah, oh, I'm so glad you said that. But all, that all of us kind of admitted how bone bruised we were, you know, and kind of, you know, you'd walk off the set like, yeah, yeah, that was nothing. You're kind of like, oh, God, I can give you I can your trailer, a physio, like, oh, my God, please. It does boggle the mind slightly in terms of where we have left to go, particularly this one, because I feel like we've used up four films worth of climaxes, you know. But Tom and Chris are just at pains, literally in Tom's case, to uh, deliver a sort of authentic and, um, you know, fresh experience each time. People ask, why do you think they're still going? And I think, I still love going. I still like seeing it, even though I'm in it. I've watched it now three times. I, I, I keep on moving further and further on the edge of my seat. It just doesn't pause. The lesson I learned from the last film was, if you try to control it, you, the movie's gonna run you over. You take the wings and the engine and the fuselage and the propeller and you throw them all off of a cliff and try to build the plane before it hits the ground. Whatever kind of story I'm tackling, I'm, I'm you know, I'm always trying to just, you know, what, how can I capture uh, this story in the most appropriate and, you know, to that nth degree for, for an audience. But that scene, you're yeah, and, and I remember though, like, like the, the whole mustache thing, you guys, like, I was just thinking when when that whole thing went down, like, can't we just give Superman a mustache? Like, I just think that would be kind of cool. Like, there's no so comic funny. book that has it. Uh, Henry Cavill, by the way, if, if we don't know, he played a character in the 2010s called Superman. Uh, did, did we all <laughs> remember? That? It was this low indie movie, the low budget indie. That's so funny. No, no. What were you gonna say, William? I just the you know, we were talking that's like the one of the more like overt moments of like actual blood in a mission movies like I've forgotten how mm. like gnarly that is like when they um uh when they they do that cut where after Cavill's or um after Ethan's like I need a face to make a mask and they they're putting him in the stall the pool of blood that is just like on the floor that yeah. they then try to play off as Hunt having a nosebleed is like in no way shape or form if you actually took a second to look at the floor and look at this would you think that it would be a nosebleed you'd be like somebody just got fucking killed in here like what are you guys doing right I it's it's really interesting because it's like yeah this the, the movies are largely bloodless um mm -hmm. and you know that and sometimes when an action movie that can get a little annoying especially when you see people shot in the head or whatever um and we we're kind of like all right all right there was come on a little blood um but it's whatever it's just one of those things where you got to accept it mm -hmm. um but it is funny though in that scene like when he gets shot in the head like you see it and there's like no blood that comes out and then like cut later it's like all of the blood <laughs> it's like every all of the blood has now been released the blood was delayed yeah, yeah. it was it's just really funny but um yeah man it's like it, it is for a movie that had so many production issues it's just like almost impossible to tell almost mission um, impossible i was to just tell. gonna say you're right you're right right i mean listen i i also i mean i i think worth comparing to what we what we found with our inception episode that it's like the 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 big take with inception now is like that uh the heist is like making a movie and mm -hmm. nolan wants to right. sort of recreate 
that crew and and establish the comparisons between filmmaking and and stealing the ideas. And I I I same see thing with no Ford difference. v Ferrari. So yeah, absolutely. And I I mean, you can also draw here where it's like filmmaking is a near impossible feat, and the oh. fact that it's pulled off as uh, it's impossible as well it's an as it is but, right, 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 <laughs> absolutely. And uh, you know. Yeah, and and also like the fact that we bring up blood is why the fallout um, climax feels like pretty visceral. Like once you see Ethan so beat up and waking up in a hospital bed at the very end, like wow, this like our hero is has really faced some some physical damage, and you feel the effects. There's also some scenes in the you know, the trailer we've all been raving about where currently we currently have rabies uh, just foaming <laughs> at the mouth. scratching at ourselves to trailer. watch it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your mission. Should you choose to accept it? I wonder. Did you ever choose not to? The end you always feared is coming. And the blood will be on your hands. The fallout of all your good intentions. You had a terrible choice to make in Berlin. One life over millions. And now the world is at risk. This is the CIA's mission. If he had held on to the plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation. His team would be dead. Yes, they would. That's the job. You don't understand what you're involved in. You need to walk away. Please don't make me go through you. How many times has Hunt's government betrayed him, disavowed him, cast him aside? How long before a man like that has had enough? Ethan, that's not who we are. Maybe we need to reconsider that. So, how is he? Oh, you know, same old Ethan. I find it best not to look. Um, it there's there's some certain like shots that are also not in the movie that and maybe that's another but that's a lot of movies but maybe that's that's another thing you could point to if like oh maybe there's some production issues there but besides again but, but like I said besides that it's like the only the continuity mess up with the pocket and the beard and and you see Cruz basically limping uh, after he uh, right we should also mention the main ankle injury yeah I yeah. guess if we haven't before yeah it's 
Well, like you can, you can, you, we know when it happens and like, I can't unsee it. It's pretty great. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Tom, he, but he, I he it. does the, it's the first jump that he does, right? When he jumps yeah, it's of, the, like, yeah. the edge of the building. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, I was looking for that last night. The, mm-hmm. But even st- you're talking about these movies still having like, you know, especially compared to like the, um, the Bond movies, like the whole sequence where he's in the, um, like in the office building and Benji has kind of the bits where it's like, Oh, it's upside down. So and it wasn't funny. in 3d. Yeah. And he's just like yelling. In I'm jumping air. out a window. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very interesting to kind of like see the reaction of each of the individual sort of like office workers in there. I'm pretty oh, it's sure. Fantastic. Isn't yeah. there somebody that kind of like, almost like gives him like a like a thumbs up or like yeah. there's there's somebody yeah. that sort of like it seems to like kind of encourage him to basically like <laughs> do that and, and, it's, I, and that's another one i think where they cut the score yeah 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 and yeah, the, the, bath, the bathroom fight too is like totally yeah. it is just like it's the only it's, thing i totally forgot there. about that it's silent yeah well, you hear the yeah. you hear the pulsing of the club beat but then otherwise it is just mm. like and i think that is why even though there's no blood in that sequence, it's such a visceral thing because you you literally are just hearing the grunts and the slap of the pipe or just like, you know, the the, the thing that like, it's just like, I think, I guess it's when um, Cavill goes to like, f- um, just like goes to the tile and you hear the tile just like sh- shatter into like crash all over the floor. Like the foliage on that sequence alone is just like in- incredible. Um, but I do like how so many of those moments are really just like, we don't need to overly score this. It's compelling really just on its own. If we just like are presenting great visuals, like you're almost drawn in more when there's not this like over overproduction basically yeah. for, for lack of a better word. Does Lauren Balfi do both? Yes, I believe so. Mm-hmm. The score almost feels like more earned as well. Right. Um, Good score for both. Warren Balfi doesn't do both, actually. Oh, who does Rogue Nation then? Rogue Nation is scored by Joe Kramer. Mm, Okay. Um, I love the Fallout score. Um, Joe Kramer also scored um, McQuarrie's Way of the Gun and Jack Reacher. Mm, Okay. I mean, yeah, I I mean, like to see Giacchino come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his uh, Ghost Pratt score. He's so that man does too much, actually. I mean, I love him, but it's like one of those. I mean, things listen, where... his Red Bird collaborations are no, I want him excellent. to do like yeah. I, I just I would want him to do like two things a year. And if that's a mission impossible, great. But he does like I don't know, yeah. he just does all of it. It's oof. um I love the Fallout score. Uh, I like Balfi in general, even mm. though the Fallout score I know is no people don't really know this about him, but I unfortunately found out because uh, I think in like 2019 or 2018, I was too much, I was too online and I went to his Twitter account and I saw what he liked. He's a big conservative, like oh. Tory kind of guy. Okay. Yeah, he kind of sucks. Oh, wow. But yeah, I know. <laughs> but he's, he, but I, I do love the um, score. Um, I think he, it's really good. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. Is there like a bad Mission Impossible score? I think they're all, it's, it's one of those things where you kind of just mm. get it. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah, it's a little bit like how there's not a bad Batman score. Uh, I, 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 with Rogue Nation, it's interesting because I think the brutality that we see in Fallout is a little less so. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's like it's pulling back or anything. I'm just, but I think one, it has to do with Cavill as a character in general, like, you know, uh, John Lark or Walker, whatever name you want to give him, you know, how he's so physically massive and his whole fighting style is 
complete brute force. Um, so that yeah. takes into account, but it's also like, you don't get something like the cook going into someone's head in rogue nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very much, I, and I, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say with this, but it's just more of an observation. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it does seem to be more just, I think Macquarie is very good at applying the characters and making the characters inform the action, well, uh, which is what all good action filmmakers do. There's that whole line where, where Angela Bassett's character is talking to, to um, uh, Alec Baldwin on the tarmac basically. And it's like, you know, he's, he's a, you guys use a scalpel, he's a hammer. And like that right. does really inform the physicality of, of Warwick as a character. It's like, he is this like brawling bruiser and just like the physical, not that Tom Cruise is scrawny by any stretch of the imagination, right? But like Cavill is like, I mean, he was, he was Superman, you know what I mean? So it's right. like, you know, um, to have that physicality and to see those two forces and, and how they're juxtaposed together in that way, there is something to that clay. Like I think mm-hmm. it's just how the, you know, the physicality I think informs um, the character in a way too. Um, it's, it's Not really to point impressive. out anything too obvious, I guess August Walker is like if Ethan Hunt had no moral code yeah, and it's just right. like it was all brute. Well, I think Solomon Lane's even a little more so like it's, I don't know. It's interesting because the, I, they're all certainly aspects. And also, Issa Faust is like they're all certainly aspects. Of right, Ethan. right. We won't talk about the politics too much because the politics in the Mission Impossible series is indescribable. Like, doesn't like, there's no real politics. I don't know. I, I don't. There's get a it. thesis I, to be written out there somewhere, but I don't yeah, think the maybe place. sure. It's yeah. not. It's tries not to go into those waters that much. Besides, like it, the only times it gets like political is the villain's motivation. Besides that, mm-hmm. it's like he is just trying to save people. And I'm, and I'm not saying this as a criticism or as positive. I'm just making an observation. Uh, but it is interesting how the two villains in Rogue Nation and in Fallout are very much political radicals. Like, I guess that's also in 4, too, because he's like, isn't like Michael Nyquist? Is it Nyquist? It's Nyquist, um, yeah. Nyquist, R.I.P. Um, he's also like a global warming guy. Um, but uh, just like how Lane is so dedicated to uh a no like overturning governments and overturning uh like uh foreign agencies and you know global powers and all of that kind of stuff it's and it's interesting because ethan hunt just you almost don't know if he has a, a single political belief at some points because they're just like because he's so he thinks of everything as a moral standpoint rather than maybe something greater and yeah it's interesting to see that because it's one of those things that makes me sometimes feel like I can't say that Salman Lane is a mirror to Ethan Hunt. I mean, in, in some ways, sure, but it's not a perfect mirror because it really does, because a lot of them are like, you know, political radicals or people who are very passionate about this term of philosophy, while Ethan is just, it's purely more of preserving life. Um, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know how I feel yeah. about that. I don't have like a hot take on it. It's just, it's very interesting to me. It's almost as if like Ethan also like looks at these missions as a set of instructions, not just like a way to gain political power. Yeah. There's no geopolitical right ambitions that he has where it's like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I, um, 
yeah, I don't know if I have like a take on the politics or anything, but it, it, you know, when you go with these this kind of subject material, uh, subject material, you kind of they have to do something with it, um, especially in like Fallout, where there's this whole plot point of like terminating all of the religions, uh, and that being like a huge, you know, the greater the suffering, the greater the peace. Uh, I really one of those lines where you're like, yeah, that's a line. You know, in the trailer. <laughs> right. It's like that. I mean, listen, it's like in Rogue Nation, they have several lines like that, you know, calling Ethan Hunt the manifestation of destiny, like everyone always talks about. Um, Ethan Hunt saying, I am the disc. Like, you know, it's fantastic stuff. Or I, I am the storm when he gets the <laughs> when he gets the copy of uh of the Odyssey in, yeah. in Fallout. It is it's done when we say it's done or whatever. Yeah. He's like <laughs> yeah. bit, mission accomplished. Think, like which one does he say that at uh the end of? I that's think that's four. That's four. four. Yeah, right, right. Mission right. accomplished, and he hits the button. <laughs> um, um, it's it is. I mean, listen. I think I, I don't know how popular of a take it is now, but I do know that people will ding them sometimes for being like too convoluted and, and like the story isn't like. I I think it's like similarly what we mentioned with Salt. Like, you know, this isn't the kind. It. I don't. I don't know if that is no spy intention. movie makes sense. I will get, I'm just going to put it on the table. It's like, it's like noir from decades ago. You know, it's, it's like, these are like paranoid stories to get inside the character's head because they don't know what's going on. Right. I, I I didn't say this in this whole episode. I forgot to, but I truly want to say there is not a single spy movie that exists. That really makes sense. I'm, I I truly believe that with all my heart there Mm -hmm. it's the inherent genre itself and the subject matter it's dealing with will always create confusion and plot holes and uh, uh you know like con, con you know being convoluted it's there's none there's not a sing- none of the bonds none of whatever born fuck it there's none of them none of them make sense what do you that's mean, just Ten- a fact tenet was like totally understandable the first time around and not at all confusing and not at <laughs> okay. all something i had Shit. to write you know, a piece about for gq uh explaining the the movie because people didn't get it yeah um, it's definitely not the number one most searched movie like one doesn't remember that <laughs> what is yeah. tenet <laughs> right. um you know what's the yeah, same so- thing backwards and forwards um, oh fuck bro <laughs> shit dude fuck yeah. I, just I gotta put out my mind, bro. Yeah. I just i just like hit of the ball don't <laughs> my other little favorite like ethanism especially in fod is um we'll burn that bridge when we get to it oh, so good so good <laughs> yeah I, I guess it's really just like a macquarieism at this point the but he does he, are really good yeah. the the macquarie ethanism are just yeah. like chef's guess yeah these movies are funny I yeah, found myself yeah. laughing like I mean, quite a bit. Cruz has a incre- I mean the the charisma for moments of humor I think are like perfect in these. Yeah. No. Like you said, yeah. I think he has one of the funnier facial expressions. Like he is he's almost more funny when he's not saying things. It's all just mm-hmm. like him yeah. just being it's like reaction. Yeah. yeah. Like you know all that kind of shit. Yeah. Um yeah. and I think I mean, it, it it goes back to the silent movie star thing where it's like you know like the in in that era, it was also predicated on um, all facial. visual yeah. Uh, humor. Yeah, but it is crazy how Simon Pegg doesn't get annoying in these movies. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they just know how to use them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's career talk. Like, like just mention anybody who's like had a anyway. I mean, like we barely touch on Angela Bassett. Like she, like, yeah, you know, but, it's it's, mm. it's an icon. And in, in, I mean, it's two icons. And the fallout, but she's gotten fucked tower, like decade. together. Yeah, she's yeah. gotten fucked yeah, this decade. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's not, I don't it know. It's crazy. And yeah, Bal- this is I mean, the last gasp of Baldwin. Baldwin is done after this. 
Yeah, um, I mean, like he retired from public life, right? So I, I guess right. that's, oh, we, we can't really. um, he quit. Remember? Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Anyone else we haven't mentioned yet? I'm just thinking of the cast. Vin Rames, uh, love me some Vin. Right, Rames. Vin, yeah, Vin Rames, like constant presence. Bad. Yeah, he, he, the chemistry that he and Michelle Monaghan have, especially in Fallout, is mm-hmm. yeah, I think is really, it's really fantastic. understated. It's so and, natural. It's the best scene fantastic. of him in the franchise. That's the yeah. best thing he's ever. Done. I love what it's Fallout does with I, him, like just throughout the. the film. Yeah. yeah, the well, he has um. He has that moment with with Rebecca Ferguson too, where he's basically mm. he, he gives basically kind of it's pretty exposition heavy, right? But he's talking about Julia's role, and he's like, you know, there was a time he was married, and the, it's the whole thing about him basically saying like Ethan realized that like any moment he was with Julia, he wasn't there to eventually help the world and, and stuff like mm. that. So like that sequence, and then how he's able to kind of like parlay, I think some of the themes of that into his conversation with Julia. Those two are really really nice bookends, I think. Yeah. Um, but um I, yeah i think all the the michelle monahan stuff in fallout is like fantastic i mean she's again, so good like the the way that she's barely keeping it together. and apparently they had her for like a few days which is fascinating it seems yeah. i mean that seems like it they really yeah. only had her for like three days i think and ferguson was super pregnant during that entire sequence so that's why if you notice she's really only like they do not do a ton of wide shots of her or if they do yeah. she's got that huge like belted coat on basically but yeah they were um Macquarie was talking about that I think in that Empire interview it was just like mm-hmm. we really were just trying to kind of like shoot around her as best we possibly could but yeah they only had Monaghan was like in between was that when she was doing I think it was maybe when she was doing True Detective or like not long after so they like had to work around her schedule in that way um, yeah it was when she was shooting The Path the Hulu show oh yes like ever, ever yeah, remembers yeah. what this is like you know we all went down the path yeah yeah it's uh you know but we well, I, I guess we'll never almost talk about Aaron Paul besides maybe Need for Speed, but what a weird fucking career he's had since back. He's, he's good in Westworld, especially this year. They've like, they have yeah. found a way to, not to go too off topic, but um, yeah. they have, Westworld season four is really kind of just like a, a complete overhaul of, of really even more so than I think they they build in season three. But this year they they have engineered the scripts to be more of his tailored to his skill set and pairing him with uh sandy newton um hmm. you know it, more i think of um uh, he's better equipped to to play off of her um yeah than he was last year but yeah i mean very 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 strange um career cool coincidence like tandaway newton like mission Impossible yeah. alum and uh, i guess i guess to you know just trying to again think of uh, people from from these casts if we have any takes on renner in rogue nation good he's like That's perfectly I, fine I, I like him yeah um, i think they figure out the best role he could play in I, that film absolutely. but he, i'm yeah. not like missing him in fallout mm. he doesn't That's steal anything from Cruz either like i think they just play up each other well and doesn't try to take over a scene i mean yeah. we talked about him in, in the immigrant and uh yeah Sean Harris, I think, also too is like sneaky underrated right, yeah, in all yeah. of these. Like, I, you know, I think in um, the chemistry he and Cruz have, in particular, in Fallout, where it's mm-hmm. kind of just like the um, that's another good scene where where um, Cavill and Cruz are in the truck together, and Cavill is like having obviously he knows, but he's just like, oh, you're the guy that caught him, that caught him, and that's when we get that the we'll burn that bridge when we get to a line, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I, I thought was was 
Harris is like really, really underrated in these, I think. Um, Absolutely. So Wolf Blitzer, I le- super, super yeah, underrated. Wolf, yeah, that's right. I was going to bring up, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the Wolf Blitzer cameo, I think is like pretty infamous too when people bring up the movie, just like as as like a, as like a creative way to entry. Cause like when Fallout starts, like this is a different like feeling. It's a different energy that it brings. It's, and then it's once you get very, the reveal, yeah. it's very, it's a different way that any of them start the movies. Yeah. There's, there's a real propulsiveness to that opening that I like, I, I really, really dig that I think is, yeah. um, you know, it, it's different from kind of the loudness of Rogue Nation, right? We start out with the plane and mm-hmm. that plane sequence, even there, there is a little bit of that. like With um, crews running to the movie, like, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. But, but there's even like, um, you know, we're talking, we've made a lot of references to like old movies, but, you know, and silent movies, but there is a bit of like, Will and Hardy, who's on first there with them just constantly going back and forth and be like, the plane is taking off like that constant <laughs> kind of just yeah. like back and forth that not way. that like, door the other door, other door. yeah <laughs> like they're just like the old school nature of that i think works really well um so yeah yeah renner's like yeah. perfectly fine and I, I would say the same with baldwin too um mm. bassett does have some good line readings where she's yeah. like i can't trust any of you guys so you're all coming in like <laughs> i really was like almost like made for her yeah yeah I, I was just gonna say, like, I, I like Baldwin a lot in Fallout. He has this sort of like older character actor from the fifties sort of yeah. line readings and in the way like the body language is is used, you know. But and the way that they incorporate him into the actual events of everything, um, with mm-hmm. the you know, the double cross cross situation, I yeah. think was is like really well executed. And apparently he told McCory that he wanted to like be killed off, which is like fascinating. Like, okay, what else do you have going on that like is conflicting with this? Like, yeah. It seems like a pretty sizable role. McCory's now is like, thank fucking God we killed him <laughs> off. Yeah. Um, I love, I mean, the, maybe the great line delivery of, um, I, let's just get to favorite scene real quick. And this yeah. is a great yeah, yeah. segue. So we're going to name our, I think I'm going to name my favorite scene from Rogue Nation and then Fallout and then we'll just, go uh, go in order so around okay. the horn around the horn oh yes espn reference jack has no idea what you're saying um i my favorite scene of uh rogue nation is i mean the manifestation you're telling me of, an entire nation went rogue oh man that's what um, that's why yeah love, that's a great line <laughs> was, yeah, uh yeah. the manifestation of destiny What's this all about? It's a matter of national security, sir. Under no circumstances is anyone to enter. Yes, sir. Help me to understand. Who is this man? Why is he after me? I'm afraid, Prime Minister, Director Hunley and I share responsibility for this. Ethan Hunt was part of a disgraced intelligence agency which has since been dissolved. And he's gone rogue, unfortunately intent on dismantling an imaginary terror network. But new intelligence suggests that he's been manipulated by one of your own former agents. Ilsa Faust, Prime Minister, she disappeared two years ago. And if you don't mind my asking, what do I have to do with this phantom network? Uh, Sir, this is William Brandt, a former colleague of Hunt's. He came forward with first-hand knowledge of the plot against you. Sir, Hunt is in possession of a virtual red box that can only be opened by you. He believes it is the key to bring down the syndicate. The syndicate, you say? Yes, sir. That's what he calls it. Atlee? 
he couldn't possibly be talking about that syndicate. Because you assured me that that syndicate was merely an exercise. And it was, Prime Minister, I can assure you. And yet here we have the Central Intelligence Agency indicating otherwise. I don't understand. Prime Minister, your life is in danger. I think our first priority is to move you to a secure Sir, location. does the name Solomon Lane ring a bell? Yes. Unfortunately, it does. So there actually is a syndicate? It was the hypothetical brainchild of Chief Attlee. Recruit former agents from other nations, supply them with a new identity, and use them to surgically remove our enemies, both at home and abroad. Its operating budget was to be hidden offshore in a virtual red box, which I alone would control. It would have made me judge, jury, and executioner with zero accountability. I rejected the proposal unequivocally. Furthermore, I was given every assurance it never passed the planning stage. Prime Minister, there is no syndicate. These men have been duped by Agent Faust. Atley, save it for the public inquiry. Sir, I urge you not to leave this room. Excuse me. Please. Hunt is uniquely trained and highly motivated. A specialist without equal, immune to any countermeasures. There is no secret he cannot extract, no security he cannot breach, no person he cannot become. He has most likely anticipated this very conversation and is waiting to strike in whatever direction we move. Sir, Hunt is the living manifestation of destiny, and he has made you his mission. Prime Minister. <laughs> Sir, please step away from the Prime Minister. Just relax, sir. Everything's going to be all right. Atley shot me. Yes, he did, sir. Hunt, I hope you realize you've set back U.S.-U.K. relations to the American Revolution. Desperate times. Desperate measures, sir. I'm here. Stand by to receive. Ready. The Prime Minister's office asked me to meet him here. This way, sir. Scanning. Retinal scan confirmed. Hang on, sir. You've got a very warm hand. Biometric confirmed. The prompt is Kipling. The prompt is Kipling. Sir, I'm going to need a passphrase. The prompt is Kipling. Yes, of course. If you can keep your head, we're not about you losing that. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you. You got it? I got it. Oh man, do I get it. I'm here to see the Prime Minister. We were told not to let anybody in. By whom? By you, sir. Hanley? What is this? 
Security. Chief Atley. Kind of you to accept our invitation. Uh. Do you know who I am? We know you created the Syndicate, but Lane went rogue and turned it against you, didn't he? And you've been desperately trying to cover it up. That's why you erased the disc when she brought it to you. That's true. Now, Director Hunley has some questions for you regarding Ilsa Faust. Namely, how you framed her. That's also true. It's the antidote. When the Prime Minister found out about the Syndicate, Atley attacked him. Yes, that's true. And then you saved the Prime Minister, sir. Did he? I'm very grateful. Cutting it very close, Ethan. I have what you want. Where do I go? He is, you know, he has thought of every. It, there is a good chance he has anticipated this exact conversation. All those fucking lines, and yeah. then he pulls off. Baldwin the knows mask. how to sell that. It's he pulls fantastic. off the mask, and the camera zooms in on fucking Alec Baldwin, and he's like, "Hunt," and it's perfect. It's that's when you, the moment you watch that you're like macquarie fucking gets it he understands these movies he understands hunt as a character he understands what this franchise means it is ethan hunt is a fucking madman but he's also like a god he you know i, I, I can't believe i'm connecting this to batman but like a lot of times oh i was gonna go i almost made a superman reference earlier so it's go go down this road there you go um <laughs> Because a lot of things is like Batman, he finds, you know, there, there there can be moments in like whether it be the comics, movies, or like he just finds a way. He finds a way to win. He just finds of just even though it's impossible, even though like everyone, like all these people are should you know probably should have been dead, and there was all this you know there's a great chance of this you know catastrophic failure. He just finds a way to win. I think Hunt is very much the same way. He is you know, and people write it off as luck. And maybe, but it's also just pure will. And that is what Hunt is to me. Um, and that's why I love the character itself. So that's my favorite scene in um, uh, in uh, Rogue Nation. My favorite scene in Fallout. I mean, it's insane to even think about because there's so many. Um, I will just go with, I think the moment, the Julia stuff, I think the moment when like, he says, you mentioned the line reading, I'm so sorry. And he runs off. That's like, that choked me up legitimately. Cause it's like, mm. and I, I appreciated that moment the other times I've seen it, but this one, it actually like, it hit me way more. It was interesting. I wasn't expecting it, but yeah, that's probably my um, favorite moment of a uh, fallout. Ethan? Is that Julia? Uh, this is my husband, Eric. 
This is... Rob. Rob Thorne. Doctor. See you soon. It was good to see you. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Julia. I'm so sorry. Who wants to go next? Uh, Wait, Jack, uh, yeah yeah go yeah, i'll, yeah, I'll go, last. Yeah, it was, I'll go last it was on first yeah yeah we're doing our <laughs> own uh ba, 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 i would uh it's pretty hard not to pick the opera scene from rogue nation i mean that's it's undeniable i i i try to choose something here that we haven't touched on but i think flute gun. It just the flute gun the railing the gun that it's but it's like someone will, yeah i know like someone goes to the top of the uh the opera house and you know unpack a briefcase and just like assemble a gun out of like different pieces it's fantastic um and and uh of course like everyone points to the influence of men who, too, who knew too much and i think it's worth pointing out that um, MI2 was a loose remake of Notorious, and the Hitchcock references, of course, are present throughout. Um, Benji, did you see that? See what? The woman. What woman? Where are you? I can't see you.
das denn? Keine Ahnung, ich weiß nicht. Ethan, do you copy? Ethan, come in! the lighting booth. Ethan, do you copy?
Fallout, uh, I mean, I mean, like Hunt and Faust, I think, are like beginning to be like the real core of this franchise. And I love them in uh, the park and in, in Paris and Fallout. Uh, like their confrontation is great where it's where it's another example of Ethan trying to figure out Ilsa yet Ilsa just has like the upper hand the entire time it's um and don't and make me it, go through you is such a fucking yeah, crazy ass thing yeah, to say yeah because it's like you're saying that to Ethan Hunt and it's yeah. like just don't make me do it I don't want to mm-hmm. do it. it's it kind of reminds me of the Leslie Manville uh in Phantom, Phantom Thread right am I thinking of the right line it's where I will fucking oh, what's the line Jack do you know what I'm talking about I, yeah I at mean, the dinner scene yeah. he's basically she's basically i will go fucking i will go through you you are no match for me to daniel day lewis it's, it's like i that. i wouldn't l- want to mess up the line either but no right, you do right, have the right, right idea right. yeah yeah
I knew if I followed her, you'd show up eventually. Are you okay? Yes, sir. I never. I know you her. have your reasons. I know. You need to walk away. I can't do that. You weren't at the ballet to kill Luck. No. You were there to protect him. Yes. And you killed him to protect me. You wanted Luck to break Lane out. No, you needed him to break Lane out. Because you have to kill Lane. Who's making you do this? And my sex. Why? After we captured him in London, they tried to bring Lane home through diplomatic channels. But too many countries want their pound of flesh. A man like that, what he's seen, what he knows about British intelligence, they can't have him talking to a foreign government ever. That's not what I'm asking. Why did they send you? This is how I prove my loyalty. This is how I come home. But you are out. You are free. We are never free. I spent two years undercover with Lane. To them, I'm as much of a threat as he is. I kill him, or I never stop running. Now tell me where he is. I can't help you. I will get to him one way or another. Um, I mean, I think for, for me, the, um, I mean, the opera house, I think is like pretty unimpeachable. Um, but, you know, I, I do little details, you know, I like the fact that it's Ilsa in Casablanca, like that is of course, like, right. a, a fantastic sure. thing. But yeah. I, I was struck by just how kind of like um, a film noir kind of like that last whole sequence is when they're running around on um, in, in, in the streets and kind of that last third. Oh, um, yeah. In London. Yeah. And just how like the, the fog, the London fog just like rolls through that whole thing and how they actually capture um lane and ethan's just like unbridled disgust as he like knocks the container over yeah um <laughs> Face to face, just as you wish, Stephen.
Gentlemen, this is Solomon Lane. Mr. Lane. Meet the IMF. how much fog is used in these movies too i thought that was really especially fallout yeah Yeah. and in fallout i mean i think like this is absolutely unequivocally cheating but like the moment from the airdrop through the the motorcycle is like one like unimpeachably like one of the best like 30 minute action stretches of like all time like that Mm -hmm. in you know of course, like I think there is one cut in the parachute sequence. I was noticing yesterday. I was like, if they were going to cut, they would have cut here. Yeah. Um, but the fact that the parachute thing is all one take, you know, that the cinematographer had to jump out of the plane with Cruz, keep him in frame the entire time, like it that is. thing. But like the the motorcycle ride on near the Arc de Triomphe, like through the Champs Elysees, like that whole sequence, Cruz actually doing that, driving into traffic, like. Insane, and it's gripping every single time. Like, it's ridiculous. Reminds yes. me of for sure of the Rogue Nation motorcycle chase. Yeah. Um, so again, an echo without it being the exact same thing over again. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that is. The White Widow has spies at every level of government. This plane is posing as a commercial airliner so we can jump into France undetected. The Widow's meeting Lark at the VIP lounge at midnight. No one would be admitted without a pre-issued electronic ID band. We've acquired the unique RFID number for Lark's band, allowing us to locate it with these. Find that ID band, you find Lark. Then what? Then? I assume his identity. Make contact with the widow, she takes us to the package. People actually fall for me. How do you intend to make Lark cooperate? I bump him in the crowd. In 10 seconds, he'll look like any other drunk at the party. Incoherent and completely pliable. After I borrow his face, you walk him out the front door and hand him to Sloan's extraction team. You're not getting rid of me that easily, Hunt. That's not what this is about. Sure it is. I know you don't want me on this detail. But let's face it. If you'd made the hard choice in Berlin, I wouldn't be here. If you hadn't gunned down every syndicate agent they sent you to find, I wouldn't be here. That's right, I know all about you. You're why we don't have a living witness who can identify John Mark or the Apostles. If you have a problem with my methods, you can always stay behind. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, isn't that the thing? Two minutes to decompression. Suit up. The Widow is meeting Lark in 30 minutes. 
10 seconds to decompression. Is your oxygen on? There's no atmosphere at this altitude. I don't need you blacking out on me. Hey, your heads-up display is a built-in guidance system. Follow it. To the target, open your chute when the system says not before and definitely not after. Or the last thing that goes through your mind will be your kneecaps. Is that clear? Crystal. There's a storm when we need it. Enough talk. I'll see you in Paris. shit is also fucking nuts and it's just is, it's timeless it'll never age i mean like imagine train like everyone had to just like train for that and like like Cla cavill didn't 
you know, take part. But it's like, and then, you know, you get crews up there and, and we've all seen like the behind the scenes footage as that have like gone viral a few times of like, you know, the cameraman. Like, Wait, the airdrop or the uh, yeah, motor? the airdrop. The, oh, air, airdrop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like the cameraman's like right some distance. Yeah. I always laugh like, because it's like Cavill for sure was like, no, no, I'm good. no thanks. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Good I'm going to lunch, right, yeah. <laughs> and I've always thought, and I've, I've thought about that watching, it's like, what are the co-stars like when they watch crews do this? Do they feel any like sort of like pressure to do? Like, cause it's like one of those things where you're just like, no i'm not doing that tom i'm not doing that no thank you like it's crazy just to be around that and just to you know for people who have worked also and like you know cavill god knows how many like you know he's doing the witch right now too it's like he's been involved in a lot of stunts and a lot of you know big budget filmmaking and films that require a ton of stunt work i mean look man from uncle and it's like he just sees crews and he's probably just like man from uncle same year as well fuck yeah yeah um, oh, I as forgot Rogue about that too. Yeah. Oh, same year as Rogue Nation. Yes. As yeah, Rogue Nation. Yeah. 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 Underrated movie. Yeah. Um, but there's been, yeah. there's actually quite a few spy movies out 2015. It's it's kind of interesting. Like spy, like the Puffy movie. You know, I guess. Like, it, um, it's also yeah. crazy that Cruz just taught himself how to like fucking do crazy shit with a helicopter. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'll just do a pilot helicopter and I'll do it. And <laughs> I love the line reading of when he's like, "All right, that's power." And then he like kind of puts things together. He's like power and he fucking pushes the thing and it's so fucking dope i just yeah. it make, it's one of those like real dude bro fist moments where you're like yeah you know you're just like fucking in your seat um yeah great fucking movies uh yeah can't say that enough um william They're thank you so much for coming on this was uh yeah incredible but, this is mean, perfect i've needed an outlet to talk about these movies for, for yeah a while so did now. we they they um, felt like how the conjuring movies felt like in our horror month like these were like the big ones, you know, they're, they're you like, gotta the say ones that you gotta talk yeah, about right. them. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. For Thank you so much this. for being here. Yeah. Of yeah. So where can everyone find you on, you know, like find your work, find you on social media. Like, sure. Um, so I am, uh, I'm on Twitter at Goodman W um, and you can read me pretty consistently over at complex right now. And then um, also on GQ a little bit more sporadically, mostly tied to um, Marvel stuff, but um, I try and do, um, a pop culture piece of GQ at least once a month, but definitely every week at Complex doing something at least. So uh, that's probably the best spot for now. Oh yeah, yeah, awesome. I can be found on Twitter at Jackery Draper. Uh, I my, I have writing on film at the Boston Hustle. These movies are now found on Paramount Plus. I don't think we've ever said that before. No. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, strange. Uh, I watch. I own these movies. So I watch them uh, on 4K. Yeah. So, um, other than I think the Jackass movies, are, like, that's the only thing that I think we've covered that are in Paramount Plus, Perry Plus. But <laughs> next time on the pod, we have Dragon, starring Donnie Yen. Uh, with us joining is Alex Rilo. Very exciting okay. to cover uh, something from another country during Action Month. Yeah, something we don't do. Uh, yeah, right. often enough and also i think our first mm. donnie yen film has to be yeah 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 um yeah everyone follow me at birds of clay on twitter and on uh letterboxd follow me on instagram at mr clay williams call the podcast twitter account at ett pod could send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com uh 2010s as in the number you can uh rate review subscribe give us five stars share us with a friend retweet uh, anything to get the word out, uh, support the podcast, greatly appreciate it. 
support a local uh, abortion fund if you can. Uh, very important. If you have the funds, I think that is needed right now. Um, and as always, thank you all so much for listening. And we'll catch you all next time on Exiting Through the 2010s. Mm-hmm.